30 minutes to break the code, two hours, two and a half hours for the five mechanicals at the minimum. The seventh lock, however, is out of my hands. I got a secret for you guys. What's that? You know, like in the 90s, it's like, oh, Die Hard's an action movie, and then like everybody's all uptight. It's a Christmas movie, all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, starting hot and heavy with the expletives. Hot and heavy. It's Friday night. <laughs> uh, Die Hard is a hacker movie. Wow. And I just pressed play. <laughs> We're taking off. We're in an airplane. Bruce Willis is in an airplane, gripping it tight. Dop, we brought you on specifically for some uh, uh, travel anxiety expertise. <laughs> do you, what, what did you think of this travel anxiety portrayal by uh, by Bruce Willis here? Sure, sure. Um, you know, honestly, I'm not. I don't get. I'm not too nervous when I'm on the plane. But um, I did find that the fist with your toes advice to be kind of I don't know dumb, like. By the time you're in your hotel, okay, also, making, by the time you're in your hotel making fits with your toes, the flight's already over. Yeah, that was exactly my note. I was like, "What? How, surviving air travel?" And his advice is only applicable about after your hour cab ride, after you land. All right, and uh, yeah. Dennis, I asked you to do some homework. Did you do your homework on this scene where I asked you to ask your dad, who is a former air marshal? what he would do if he saw Bruce Willis in the eighties on a flight with a gun. <laughs> he did not respond to my text, but uh, I, I imagine that uh, he would have just thought it was yet another air marshal uh, because all of his, <laughs> all of his stories uh, are crazy about those guys. It, it just seemed like the wild west uh, with, with how those guys got to act on the planes. So Bruce Willis lands, he's in LAX and, uh, also, here's my thing. As a as a diamond elite, this is a travel podcast, right? As a diamond elite Delta guy, if somebody threw that bearer up into the overhead bin and took up an entire overhead bin with it, I'd not be pleased. <laughs> did, um, did related, I, so then uh, it, I went it, to it, Vegas once, and uh, we we had a Pikachu, a giant Pikachu that rode back in its own seat. On a plane. <laughs> wow. Strapped it. Did you have to buy a seat for it? That'd be intense. Um, no, it was the only seat on the so plane this that Christmas was not party. occupied. Work Christmas Party 101. Have you guys ever been to a work Christmas party that takes place the afternoon of Christmas Eve? Like, this kind of sounds like a little much. <laughs> I have not. And, but, uh, Kev, as you know, you know, uh, a former company that we worked at together, uh, you know, they, we wouldn't have our holiday parties until like the second weekend of uh, January or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, that's true. And they did, th- this did, was this holiday party was kind of reminiscent of that, in my opinion, of maybe not as much cocaine. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, actually, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know. Maybe I was at a different section of the holiday party than you. But yeah, that, that guy just blatantly on a coworker's desk. 
ripping lines uh, later on. That was pretty amazing. You're talking about Ellis, a.k.a. Uh, Nakatomi Dennis? Is what I call him. <laughs> Do not call him that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's a challenger no. sale guy. He's oh, good. my God. He negotiated himself into an execution. Okay. You, <laughs> you negotiate million-dollar deals for breakfast. <laughs> Well, let's also not forget at this party, okay. um, so, also, Holly, Holly recommends to her coworker mm-hmm. that her baby can tend bar, her unborn child can tend bar, and she could go ahead and have a drink. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't think we had all the science at the time. <laughs> I also, she calls home uh, to her daughter, and it's like, uh, Lucy McLean, Lucy, uh, McLean residence, Lucy speaking. I used to answer the phone about this, and now I'm thinking, did my dad watch this movie and then say, Kevin? You've got to answer the phone like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, was he inspired by Die Hard? My thought is probably not. Mm, I'm going to go with a hard yes. Hard yes. It's a different vibe when I'm watching the movie. Are you, you guys are not watching the movie, correct? We're just I'm just using this for flow instead of me reciting the movie to people. <laughs> uh, I am not. I watched it last night. Uh, and took uh, took copious notes. Gotcha. Uh, what time of the day do you think this Christmas party started? Is it like a... Because it's Christmas in LA, and it's sunny outside when yeah. McLean lands. So is it, McLean's getting in at like 2.30, 3 o'clock, and the Christmas party's going? Oh, for, for sure. Or maybe even earlier, right? I mean, I feel like it's like daylight out isn't it still daylight when the van arrives with the bad guys yeah it's, it's kind of dusk duskish <laughs> i think yeah so i'm having a feeling that they're like they probably did a little end of year or a little award ceremony and then it was open bar at noon that's what i feel like this christmas party half was. day they took half a half day, day they started a half the holiday day. Party. okay gotcha so on my uh on my thing McLean is meeting Argyle, the limo driver now. I love Argyle, by the way. He's my favorite character in this movie. Uh, and Dop, uh, is now the time you, uh, you, you have some sort of beef with Argyle, I, I heard through the, uh, the interwebs. Uh, no, I was, I was mistaken. Uh, I was thinking okay, about good. Theo at the time. Oh, yeah. Theo's got <laughs> we're going to get into Theo. Heavy Theo. Oh, yeah. Episode. We're getting into Theo. Yeah. Um, no, Argyle's fine. Uh, I, I think he did maybe not fully understand his job as a limo driver. Like you just like sticking around in the parking garage. I mean, we can get into that later, but like, you know, drive a guy. One also, another. But it does seem kind of cool to me. Like it, that limo in terms of like, I mean, it's got a TV, he's got a, like, he's drinking from the bar in it. <laughs> so I, I, I can obvious, I can see that as like, Oh man, I'm going to stay in this limo. So yeah, uh, they're driving over to Nakatomi tower which is famously i guess like the fox building or was the fox building and it is now some other studio building or something oh okay i I don't know i just like this scene where argyle is driving and like giving bruce willis the third degree um like just getting real deep into all of his personal details Mm -hmm. just made me so happy that there's that like quiet option in uber now just to completely prevent that from but do you press that well, uh, yeah. I, I mean, well, it, co- it comes up pre-populated as quiet, so I don't change it. I guess I'll say I, that. I actually, like, if you were John McClane, uh, I guess it cuts both ways. Because, Dop, you don't know this, but Dennis is famously five stars on Uber. 
uh, and uses <laughs> Uber incessantly. He hates to drive. So I was like, I was, what would you guys rate Argyle as a driver first and foremost? Is that a five-star driver? Oof. I, I mean, I think I would probably be a very critical raider of Argyle in the beginning of the movie, but Argyle definitely wraps up as a, a five-star, a six-star probably driver by the end of this film. And you can't adjust those ratings after the fact? Is that true? <laughs> no. So yeah, I would have had to like, d- you, go, you, you can, can extra tip, tip him. Extra. You can go okay. back. Yeah. So I had to apologize. Yeah, I, I mean, I think but by that time, a, the damage is done. It's a little unfair to give Argyle shit for talking too much when John sits up front in the damn limo. Right? <laughs> That's I, Also, fair. this is something that I, I have done, especially in, I don't know, Dennis, like those old red and green cabs in China. I used to always pop in the front seat of those. Is that crazy? Uh, because they're small, and I just see like local people doing it, so then I just start popping in there. Like you would pop in there, like if you were the only passenger, uh-huh. you'd just go in the front. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't do it in the states at all, but in China, I would. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's crazy behavior. All right, we're getting. He's pulling in, and he's he's Argyle's going to go wait for him to Dop's point of like that doesn't seem like a normal thing to do. Seems easy enough if McLean wanted to call a cab later. McCain is McLean is checking in and we get the first hint of this being kind of a smart building with this uh kiosk directory thing, which definitely seems like it uh, probably did not exist or was not very popular at the time. And it does seem like they're faking it with just a TV and like a VHS tape of <laughs> you know, like yes, on totally. a sixty four. And, and also, way, I didn't, I didn't catch this, but famously, there is a typo here. When he first goes to Holly Gennaro, Gennaro is spelled one way, and then when they cut back, it's like they swapped an E and an A. Ah, I was just distracted uh, during the scene with the security guard's uh, hair. It is like the thickest head of hair I've ever seen. <laughs> even, even, than <laughs> even, so we, even than yours. <laughs> we, we lovingly refer to him as Huey Lewis. Um, except for when the terrorist <laughs> security guard comes in and looks even more like Huey Lewis. <laughs> um, but my problem with this scene is that the guards like, "Hey, type it in there." They go through this whole thing, which I'm sure it's just you know just to let you know that you know Holly's taking her maiden name. But then he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, they're the only ones left in the building, the 30th floor." Yeah, why did he make him do that? Oh, you're here for anything? Go to the 30th floor. Also, he walks by this other guard doing coke. Everybody is doing coke in this thing. It's like it's a very subtle. He's like fidgeting with his fingernail or something like that. But I think I think he's doing coke too. I did not get that vibe. I missed that little uh Easter egg. Yeah, I'm I'm not positive about it, but I definitely got cuz he's just, it's a very weird. It's you know, you see this whole thing of like McLean kind of having the sixth sense, right? Of just like clocking the building security. And so, I mean, those terrorists aren't even there yet. So he's just kind of taking measure of the building. Just great. Maybe McLean's going to take, if those terrorists didn't show up, what are the chances that McLean <laughs> holds Holly? We have a, I was just going to say that we have a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah. There's no reconciliation and he just goes off the deep end. Former oh. NYPD cop takes over a holiday party. The hostage <laughs> seems a more like reasonable plot for this movie. Oh my God. Okay. What, what about this office? Do you think that all the construction delays are based on the number of bonsai trees that they have to trim? Because it is like the most live living office. Okay, I that's I was not get like that 
part was lost on me. Do they ever explain like in this movie that there's like construction going on on these forces? Yeah. Just like, okay, right. they do. All right. It's actually right now when I'm watching it. So right now he's walking, he's about to walk over to Takagi, the like local VP. Yeah. And uh, he just gets kissed by a drunk guy and his, his go-to thing of like, oh, California. California, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's going over and I guess he just zooms in on the oldest Japanese person to ask where his wife is. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows. Yeah. So Takagi explains that the constant delays have been annoying for them. Uh, okay. Now I think at, at this point when he's like chauffeuring him to Holly's office, he's explained like that Holly's not there because she is faxing things, right? Uh huh. She went to the vault room. To but she went to the vault room. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, isn't is the vault room not? Is that the same or not the same room that they're trying? Like the bad guys try to break into later. It is this. the The vault is on. I think they say later on the vault is on the thirtieth floor somewhere, but at a different part of this office. Okay, but the vault room is where they keep all of their priceless artifacts, their bearer bonds. And their fax <laughs> machine. Samurai armor. <laughs> and, their and their fax and machine. maybe some like Syrah pointillism paintings. Oh my God. I was like, why the hell is the fax machine in the middle of a vault? But okay. All Thermal right. paper is super expensive, so it makes sense just to keep it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now, now they're meeting Ellis. Ellis is just doing coke. And again, we got to, you missed a little coke on your nose there, buddy. So. Oh my god! I mean, just like doing that—that that was just uh, pretty ballsy of Ellis, even even for a guy that's closing million dollar deals a day. It it also does seem just pretty true, <laughs> especially eighties. <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, I've met I've met this type before, <laughs> maybe not as over the board, but just <laughs> just reading the Challenger sale over and over again. <laughs> And he's like weirdly trying to show Holly off in front of John with this Rolex thing. Yeah, I was getting weird vibes with that too. Yeah, whereas like Takagi's just sitting back being like, man, I hate this Ellis guy. Why did we even let him in this? <clears throat> I guess he closes million dollar deal for breakfast. Okay, box truck is coming in. And now it's like definitely like 5.30 p.m. It would look like to me. And they're having a marriage fight that it seems like they did a good job of like, it seems like they've had this fight a hundred times. Oh, the, <laughs> you know, like, like where the they're arguing time. in the bathroom that that scene. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I assume is Ellis's bathroom because she says, I have his eye on his, I have an eye on his private bathroom. They're in a private bathroom. Ellis was just in like, her office. So I think know, it goes. Bruce Willis probably had a lot of practice with his time on moonlighting, wherever that show was. <laughs> yeah. It's very, oh yeah. But it, it does feel very real of like, you know, how you just have the same fight like 40 times sometimes. But it's over, you know, it's over more than just the name. You're going by Hello Gennaro now, right? So they make a bit. And also, have have you ever gotten off a plane and like <laughs> gone to an office and like wash oh, yourself in a sink? Yeah, you take off <laughs> okay. your shirt. That is exactly what I was saying. I was like, I don't know if I've ever just. I don't know. I don't think I've ever actually just given myself a sink bath before. Yeah. A couple pops in. We see that couple quite a few times. 
but I've never done like the fist with my feet on the carpet. I've never taken a sink bath. So I, now I just actually question if I actually, actually know how to travel. So. Well, now you don't even have that like thicker carpet to like really dig your feet into. Hmm. Do you have carpet around? Can you go try it now and see how you feel? You did, you did take a long drive today. I did. And there is a carpet right underneath my feet, but mm. pop those, pop those feet off. Let your dogs bark there a little bit. <laughs> pop my feet off. Okay. <laughs> pop your feet off. <laughs> okay, Kev. So is it, give, give us a little narration here. Of where They're still fighting, head. man. Like they fight for a long time. So, I mean, why did John even come out if like so quickly? Couldn't they just have the fight on the phone? Well, this is like what confused me about like the the kind of premise of him going out was, you know, she calls her, you know, housekeeper Mm -hmm. and she's separated. Is he he coming? But so like he's just like coming out there completely unannounced. I think that the plan was for him to come and then maybe they had one of these fights. Oh, a fight and he didn't confirm it. Yeah, because I was like. He hopped on the plane anyway. Okay, but okay. Her her assistant comes in and tells her she's got to rally the troops. And here's what I noticed in this meeting multiple times is that everybody, before they talk, they tend to look at some notes. And it reminds me of the time, Dennis, where you were about to give a talk and you brought out a bunch of printed notes over with one joke. (laughs) And you asked me about the joke, and I was like, best joke I ever hear. Then you go and give it, and like, bombs, alienates (laughs) one of your customers. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I wasn't allowed to speak again uh, (laughs) after that. That's not true. You've spoken at that a lot. Uh, are we getting into like the action part yet? Yeah. Okay. So Theo and Carl are pulling into the circle drive now, and the rest of the box truck is going is headed down to shipping and receiving. So Theo yeah, is the guy from Top Gun. He plays Sundowner in Top Gun, and he's also like Walker Texas Rangers best friend. Oh partner. yeah, that's right. Okay. So I'll point out that when the box truck pulls up and everyone gets off of it, uh, there is no ambulance in yeah, the box truck. It's also, it also doesn't look like the ambulance. So uh, <laughs> Carl shoots the, the actual guard with a suppressed PPK. And then uh, immediately, and it, I, I like rewound this four times to see Theo. It looks like Theo kind of takes the radio off the guard, but he pulls it out of his pocket or something like that. So we get our first, I'm going to even like pause it here. So, we get our first Theo at a computer thing. Uh, what did you did you guys have any thoughts on this first computer scene where Theo's like logging into the building control system? I mean, so I had put down hacking scene question mark here because is he really hacking anything? I wasn't sure if we would spin this as a hacking thing because I just feel like he is using the system that is logged in to lock all the elevators. So I was like, I maybe award half credit for this scene. Yeah, I mean, whether or not it's hacking, um, it's at least computer related, <laughs> which is more than uh, a lot of. It. I mean, there was very little hacking in any of the hacking movies that we did, right? It's a lot of this, like, just yeah. doing stuff with computers. I thought one thing that, like, if this was a 2020 movie, I'd be like, oh, that's not a hacker by the typing. But actually, when I started my career, there was a lot more people, even like Unix administrators and stuff that had had a career, were in a career doing system, administ- system administration and stuff like that, that really didn't type that well. So it doesn't, 
like I think that we're kind of the first generation of computer people that grew up typing. Ah, uh, well, I, I'll tell you what, I actually did take note of that because he does do this thing where he's like typing in a command and then he like goes almost like does like a crossover, like his right hand taps a key on the yeah, left it's of the keyboard. Yeah, like playing the piano. Yes, and then he comes over, left hand over right and slams down the return key or something. <laughs> okay. And I was like, I need to start doing this. Now Carl comes and takes out this other guard that's over by the elevators. First, he does a flashbang and then he comes in and shoots him. And it's like, I think you would have surprised him just by shooting him. Not sure we needed that flashbang. <laughs> no, no, also, I also thought that he was like rolling a ding dong towards the guy. <laughs> yeah, like, what is pack. this thing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now they're getting off, and there's definitely no van in the box truck. I confirmed. So they're maybe, but maybe they go out and reload that thing. Okay, wait, don't but, see the outside. <laughs> sorry, it, did it Theo be. freak? Did Theo freak out in the computer room yet? Like, <laughs> no, he's about to. He's just humming. Okay, sorry. All right, sorry. And Dob, did you notice? How did you feel about Theo's form kicking this? You're also our hand-to-hand <laughs> combat expert as a uh, Jeet Kundo black belt and Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. We we need some commentary on the fighting as well. I mean, I feel like I mean he he kicked just fine, but that's kicking <laughs> <laughs> a monitor is going to break the system. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so so Theo's locking down all this shit, and my favorite clip is like the escalator stopping. <laughs> it's like, okay, the escalator just turned into stairs. That's going to be four percent harder for somebody to walk up. <laughs> Oh my god! When Theo Karate kicks that like server cabinet or whatever, like that was I had to pause it. At that, there's point. a lot of additional sparks. Like, added oh my god, sparks. yes, yes, I love that part. I've never seen anything spark. Like he pulls out this big handful of cables. Do you think that that like five and twelve volt stuff is going to spark that much in real life? Like computers smoke sometimes, but they don't spark too much in my experience. Yeah, he just did the sidekick on the door, which I don't know totally. Also, what is the purpose of that? Now, like it, okay, so now nobody, including me, can take the elevator from the from the the base basement to the thirtieth floor, right? Because he's trying to lock people out of the system. But like, how does he get up? He's got to now take walk up thirty flights of stairs. It seems silly. Yeah, but then yeah. later on, when they use the the rocket launcher, those guys clearly use the elevator get down to like <laughs> well. This- they're allowed to go on the computer that Theo sets it up. He says that the elevator can float between the 30th and rooftop. All right. Carl's brother is now cutting open. He goes to the telco area and he's using air tools. Dop. You're also our tool. I expert. noticed that he's, he's using remote air tools. And I, 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 I noticed that. And so like, that's a limited comp- amount of compressed air. That's going to be a problem. Did they not have battery power? But it kind of makes sense because battery-powered tools might not have been that good back then, right? Yeah. Hasn't our battery technology come a long way? And I guess, the, I mean, with a portable air tank, you probably could do a decent job. But I, I did notice angle, that. Air tool angle grinder, yeah. Okay, and then we're just back, and McLean is still freshening up, and we're cutting between this classic... Okay, there's... I'm going to pause it because this is... So he's in this telco closet and he does the classic alligator clips and then cut between I, the telephones are still working. So this is, we're supposed to expect, they don't really cover at all what he's doing, but he types in 161. It's like the alarm bypass for something. It's very unclear what this is. I had no idea what he was like typing into that like little suitcase of numbers. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what the suitcase of number thing does. But I could only assume that it's a, he's trying to loop back a particular copper pair to the alarm system before they cut out all the other copper. That's my guess. Right. And, and this is when Carl comes in and completely, totally fucked their entire operation by <laughs> chainsawing the, <laughs> the, the cables. With additional sparks, because it looks like PVC pipe to me, right? <laughs> like, yes, and this, this part was like confusing. Like he, he's just like doing this to like he obviously this other guy isn't done with his work, so this guy's just coming in to be. But a this dick. is older. This is older brother vibes. Right? Oh yeah, he's like just, this is Pat coming in with oh, the chainsaw totally and, and cutting. But these these pipes look. I I don't know just the color of them, and also just the fact that he can cut through it with a chainsaw like this. Like a chainsaw would have, if this was like metal pipe, it would have been not a good tool for this, right? Dop, that's a question to our team. Yeah, yeah. That to me looks like like outdoor grade gray pipe. That's not aluminum. Not even aluminum. That okay? Oh yeah, totally. Okay, and with all the wires in there, Uh, (laughs) just chainsawing through. Probably, probably fine. He does wear some protective gear, which I, you know, you can appreciate. So that cuts out the phone call that uh, McLean was talking to Argyle. The verdict's not out yet. Come to the coast. Have a good time. <laughs> no, but now see, they're, think, they're like, all going up to the 30th floor. It's a packed elevator with people with uh, MP5s. They come in and they take over the party. It just like immediately starts shooting machine guns right when they come off the elevator. Yeah, right? that's really how they assert their dominance is a lot of machine gun fire. <laughs> And McLean pulls his pistol out of a shoulder holster, which, uh, yeah, shoulder holsters seem pretty terrible in general. I was going to say, I I feel like, I mean, not that I hang around a lot of people that would be wearing shoulder holsters, but just I feel like not something you see so much nowadays. I guess the, I mean, probably the air marshal gig would be the one place where maybe it would make sense because it's like kind of annoying to have a pistol below your waist while you're sitting down, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't think they're in use that much. It's always, it's just like flopping around all the time, I imagine. I think one thing about this movie that I love is like <clears throat> that they have such interesting, uh, like kind of supporting characters. Like they could spawn eight movies uh, off of Die Hard just based around these they supporting did. characters, <laughs> and I would watch them all. No, I'm saying, well, like, it turns out they how could did... only do three good Die Hards. <laughs> no, no, it's like, how did Theo get hooked up with these German guys? You know, like, I want to watch what is a Theo's movie around that. Exactly. Having... Theo's got a decent sidekick, pretty strong tactical analysis later on. Yeah. And I mean, Theo is like knows, basically is the brains. Like a, yeah, it's just like he's former CIA or something. Yeah. So I'm like, I want to know about Theo. Uh, I, like, you know, there's a bunch of other characters that haven't we haven't talked about yet that I think all would have made very interesting movies like about like their life right before this Die Hard movie happened. So uh, McLean, while all this shooting and mayhem has happened, McLean scurried out of there. So he's coming off at the audience. The first time you see this, you're in the theater in 87. You're like, oh, he's such a coward. He scurried out of there. So he goes up to uh, some higher level floor. Okay. And then again, so they got cut back to the party and Hans is about to address everybody. And he reads a little thing out of his little black book and then addresses the crowd. He's a, which... I like it for the movie, but is that just uh, uh, Alan Rickman being like, I forgot my line. Let me check this first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Somebody write the lines down at my black book. I don't know. I just like I can't see Alan Rickman Rickman anymore without just thinking Potter. That's it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's well, like, great in pretty much everything he does. Like oh, also yeah. everything everything he's saying right now to Kagi is like on the dude's Facebook page. It was twenty twenty. Like there's nothing yeah, here. I was like, this, he reads his LinkedIn profile from pretty much start to finish. And he, as he's reading all this, he does walk up to like just every Japanese person in the room and kind of stares them out. It's, it's like, you know who it is. It's like, uh, like what? It's, not, it's the one guy who was born in 19. No, that, that, I, I was Googling something else because I'm like, am I the only person that noticed this? So I just Googled it while I was watching the movie and it brought up this list of like seven crazy things. And so in addition to what I was, I will bring up later. Uh, it's like one of the craziest part is that Alan Rickman knows all of these facts about this guy, but doesn't, doesn't know what he looks like. <laughs> the guy admits who he is pretty quick. In father of five. You're one of five, right, Dennis? I am one of five. Did you really relate to Takagi's kids in this movie? <laughs> I did. They are one of the movie. They're one of the uh, you know uh, prequel movies I want to watch. But the, his all right. Hits. <clears throat> so McLean just peeped peeped his head in, and that's on floor thirty two is the computer room. We'll come back to the computer room quite a few times. Mm. And Rickman has taken Takagi upstairs to Takagi's office, which is the second major reason that. They're behind construction. Is Takagi has such a cool and big office? Like, <laughs> that guy's office is massive. It's like the size of a gymnasium or something like if, that. If your corporate offices were way behind, wouldn't you like? Hey, I I can just I can hop into uh, this other bathroom. <laughs> They're like, hey, should we finish these there? ten floors or make this scale model of our what was it Indonesia project or something yeah, like that? What is it? What do you guys oh, think uh, Nakatomi does? I think I, it's an interesting question. I had no idea either because I was like, are they in like oil services? That's what I was just thinking beforehand. But then when they go to like all these models and stuff, in, it's like it, – I think there's an argument that there may be a – the industrial control arm of a major construct, like global construction entity. Yeah, I was thinking with the, with the right? bridge they project. they have a high-tech building. With the bridge project, probably like civil engineering, right? Yeah, but there's got to be. I bet there's some technology monitoring in that bridge, right? Like sway sensors, or I don't know that. But yeah, I def- we're we're getting to a very critical point here where we where we see another computer, and the reason that I would I have a maybe I'm doing work for the movie, but I do have a theory about why I think that they might be in the industrial control side of things. Well, I would definitely agree with Dop that, like, as soon as I saw that big ass bridge model, I was like, "Oh, they do civil engineering." But then I think like part of that model almost looks like an offshore drilling rig, or I don't know if that was like they were painting to well, a actually, model there. That's also something that perhaps computer modeling. So maybe it is like construction and computer model. Okay, this is the famous CEO workstation. I'm going to pause it so that we can talk about. Or oh, I lost my pause key. Okay, so they sit down and, and Theo, they bring Takagi over to Theo. And Theo, I love also that this computer terminal is still at the time where it's like a piece of furniture. It pops up out of the desk. Oh, I noticed that. Yeah. 
Like if that was ergonomically viable at all these days, every piece of furniture in my house, you would pop up a terminal. <laughs> but so the screen is uh, Nakatomi. Nakatomi Socrates BSD 9.2. Dop, you've got the most, ex- this is the one call I've ever been on. Where somebody has more Unix experience than me, what what do you think BSD Uh, 9.2 is about this thing? I mean, FreeBSD 9.2 was released in September of 2013. Yeah, so so this is 86, 87, right? 88, I think. 88? So, yeah, was shot in film. So, yeah. So, and it's... Here's here's my thought is later on we see a bunch of control data systems computers, Control Data Corporation, which is a Minneapolis-based company founded by Cray before Cray Supercomputer. So those control data boxes could run EPIX, which was a type of Unix, and EPIX apparently had kind of like a logical BSD partition that a lot of people. So my theory is, and this is all probably more work than anything. They probably just put it in it because it looks cool. But if you were going to make sense of this, this Nakatomi customized BSD for their implementation, maybe to do some of this like modeling, like maybe it's actually purposeful so they could model how well the oil rig works or something like that. But it's mm. a, definitely a tailored Unix and that has control over one well it probably has control over multiple but it has it but specifically they get into it they want the code so they can unlock the safe and takagi doesn't either doesn't have or doesn't give them the code and is immediately executed i i and i will vote for that he is a good corporate citizen and sacrifices his body for the company and, that he has the code and doesn't give it up you get a real Theo as a sociopath sense because Theo was saying that this guy probably wouldn't give up the code. Yeah, and at the end of the whole thing, you don't—they don't, don't talk about it. No, you see, yep. But you see him Carl gives Theo like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna come right out with it, and I I hope my employers aren't listening. But uh, if you threaten my life, I will give you any code you want. Uh, I think your employers <laughs> would be like, just give them the code. Yeah. Also, bear so. Are you guys familiar with the bearer bond? No, I am not. I mean, I am. I have. I am not familiar with the untraceable bearer bond, as I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah, it's. It was a legit thing. It started in kind of the 1800s as basically a way to give somebody equity in a company in an anonymized way, like that. It's a financial instrument that doesn't require. Like it's just based on possession of the certificate and you know, mm. so they were essentially eradicated like starting in the u.s because they were constantly being used in money laundering scandals yeah so it's oh, like, like blockchain. Kind of the 80s. <laughs> hey, well, i don't want to get into it with my employer but uh, you know <laughs> there's some similar vibes of uh, what the the financial instrument challenges that it has interesting yeah and it's just like why would like why would an office of a multinational company have six hundred and forty million dollars worth of them in their well, vault they, room. 
Well, uh, what if the, what if as a firm, Nakatomi owns $2 billion and they'd be like, oh, well, let's for safety split this into four locations. We'll put one in Tokyo, one in London. So you're not thinking about this like a global multinational conglomerate that works on industrial control systems. No, it just seems strange to me that you like, why would you like, wouldn't you be like, why not put it in a like <clears throat> bank where that that would potentially be like insured, you know? Well, I don't know if you can insure rare bonds, but I mean, well, I mean, they, they, like they it's would take their li- liability though, right? Like if someone, uh, like that was also a big problem with bearer bonds. Like if they burn up, it's just like you're done. Yeah, There's no, nothing, no, no way to recoup, recoup that. Okay, have they? Did did Theo give? I think it's in the Takagi scene where they talk about the seven layers of controls. Yeah, they do this now, so I, I guess we can get into it. So there's one electronically controlled computer lock that's based on this code. There's then five mechanical locks and one mysterious at this point, electromechanical time lock. Basically. Mm-hmm. And that, that Theo's like, I can't get through that time lock. That's the plot yeah. of the movie is that Theo is good with computer hacking. He's good with, safe cracking physical stuff but there's one thing that he just can't get past all right do you, do you want to get into this, this now or should we wait until the fbi yeah. shows up <laughs> well i don't know what you want to say but come at it i guess uh, let's like, get into it now all right so i mean all right two things so so theo shows up right when we're trying to lock down the elevators and the doors and everything he knows the system so like this this feels mm-hmm. like there should have been like if if this was like Ocean's Thirteen or something, there would have been like, oh, we're practicing. He knows the system very well. We we've clearly prepared prepared for this robbery, but Theo apparently has no idea what Hans's plan is. To deal with the magnetic lock. Theo was just hired for the first six. He said, "I can't do this." Up. And I don't I don't know what how I'm, does it I'm, help Hans to tell Theo Theo about the plan. If I was Theo, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't go. I'd be like, look, gotta tell me how to get past. Oh, the you think block. the risk for Theo? Yeah, mm. yeah. No, I I agree with Dop here. I think that it, why why is Hans hiding the information on his plan for the seven? Like, it makes sense. <clears throat> it makes sense. I, I for the movie, right? It's suspenseful. We don't know what's going to happen with the seventh thing, but yeah, it seems a little bit ludicrous well, that basically <clears throat> Theo's going to show up, do his portion of the job, and potentially not get paid because he has no idea how they're going to get over the last lock yeah i can see it from han's perspective of like why give people information if they're not part of that particular slots problem they're talking about right now the electric magnetic steel you do not understand the circuits cannot be cut locally mm. you're you do understand so trust me yeah. which is so complete bullshit because the circuit has to get to the magnetic lock somewhere it's going to be running through okay, the wall okay we're going to talk okay. that we're going to we're going to hold on because there's a <laughs> okay. lot of problems with okay. this time i just want to remind everyone that this is the room where they keep their fax machine okay <laughs> <laughs> okay to send a fax i didn't notice any fax machines you have to get to that's the vault room so you yeah. have to get I into the notice, vault i didn't see it i know i didn't see it, it either it would be cool if instead of okay now all these they're getting into prime time handheld uh transceiver uh as you guys would call walkie talkies in the in the amateur business this is another big inaccuracy throughout this thing these little magic 
They're there. I looked it up. It's a Kenwood two one AT TH two one AT. And there is no way it can do half of the stuff that it does in this movie. <laughs> but starting with like, it's actually a reasonable choice for them to use these because they're probably, there's probably a modification to them so they can move to like a commercial uh, FM frequency. By default, they're just going to work in uh two meter, like 144 to 148 megahertz. But they're not CB radios, and they're constantly being called CB radios. They're interacting with the CB Channel 9 emergency channel. It's like a lot of leeway being taken uh, with, the, with what spectrum and how do they work. But they are pretty nice. Kenwin makes a nice radio. Hmm. Wait, can you actually, sorry, can you actually buy something today that can do this, though, like at that size? See, the, the, the real problem is if you bought something today that could talk on cb no i mean in terms of like nobody's going to make something that do, that could do cb but there could be a transceiver that basically has three transceivers in it one for you know vhf one for uhf and then one for cb is in the 11 megahertz it's like a hf band so it's actually really hard to make a radio that works at 144 megahertz and like 11 megahertz um and the antennas would be you would have to have multiple antennas to have any type of effectiveness so it would be really hard even today to have one radio that could do all of the things that they do with this and just totally impractical too like just have a cb like i don't i don't know like it's there it's a higher likelihood chance that that mclean could talk to the police if it was a modified radio because the police are probably not using CB, but that it's tough, guys. What do you want from me? Also, CB is AM, and that's a strictly FM transceiver, so it wouldn't really work on that. Even if the physics of the the uh, band stuff could be worked out, worked out, it would be in the wrong mode. Which it would just sound super garbled if it sounded like anything at all. Did we go, uh, is this the ham radio podcast, right? <laughs> that's yes. why I brought it up. All right. In the meantime, uh, McLean just killed his first terrorist. It's, uh, okay. Carl's this was brother. a super blonde is. guy, like in the yeah, great jumpsuit. Yeah. Jumpsuit. Okay. By the way, so this was another thing that took me out of, out of this completely accurate movie as we've been seeing up to this point <clears throat> was the, the completely mismatching uh, hair patterns of Bruce Willis and his <laughs> stunt double. Okay, I had to. Pa- I was like, "Is this the front? Did they like oh, recast the sec- front desk security guard as John McClane's stunt double, like Bruce Willis's stunt double?" Because like they just like gave the dude with the thickest hair ever to like be Bruce Willis's. Uh, uh, stunt double and it's like every time he's getting smashed into the like through drywall or something like that i'm like oh my god this is just crazy there's so much more hair on the stunt double than there is on bruce willis uh i mean yeah <laughs> good good point also bruce willis just kind of luckily doesn't break his own neck in that fall <laughs> he's like taking credit for being some like <laughs> i've taken out four terrorists well that one was kind of 50 50 if you broke your neck <laughs> or him first um okay so after that we get into this uh akagi code 
phase, right? Oh, I love, so he's yes. at, he's got he's breaking that first code. Okay, I mean, now I have a question because what, what was not clear to me is, so he's got this like cool user interface, right? <clears throat> and it's got like a person's picture there and all these like his facts, background facts about this person, and then like just like this alphabetic thing like up in the top left corner of the screen. But who is the person that that was the picture of? Is that Takagi? Yeah, it's Takagi. It's Takagi. Yeah, but how can that be? Because it was saying that like the historical facts that were associated with Takagi on the screen are saying that he was on the uh, that Japanese battlecruiser that was at Pearl Harbor. Um, Takagi did also make a Pearl Harbor joke earlier. Oh no, it's not Takagi. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it's not. It's got to be someone it's else. It's the right? CEO. Probably. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Because okay, was but like, here's I think that this is not okay. Like the UI stuff. I'll give you as a little quirky, but I mean, do we, let's piece together. It's on pause. Let's piece together this actual attack here. Okay. So you've got a vault and it's got a key. You see the key panel on it. I mean, did you, did you guys have any theories of what was going on here before I get into mine? I didn't have anything like about the hardwiring of sort of bypassing the keys or sending input in as the actual physical keys. Is that, yeah, is that he, what you're going to get into? Well, he's definitely, you know, interfaced this terminal terminal with that hardware, which, you know, probably there's, you can unplug that keypad's header. You know, mm. he had the, if he had the spec, right, he could come with his own, you know, microcontroller or whatever that could digitally manipulate those keys faster. But what I think, because he has the letters and he's entering the letters in a random order, right? So he knows it's some combination of A, K... GI basically. So I think like the most realistic way to approach this is like even if you were going to try to do this, you would look at that keypad and you would notice that some keys are used more than others, right? Mm -hmm. Oil, fingerprints, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you would enumerate those letters until you find a word that made sense. In this case, it has to make sense in Japanese. So that that was my thought. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was happening here because it just felt like <clears throat> like this program that he had created was, you know, basically select a person, you have a whole bunch of uh metadata or background information about the person and then you just start randomly <laughs> selecting things from it and uh it's weird that the from, there's a and then translating there, it but and then entering it. Yeah, and and the the graph viz diagram of a kagi going to an arrow to I love that, English yes. translation goes to an arrow, and also the computer is smart enough to print the words Red Castle in a font that is white on red. <laughs> okay, it's all interesting, and then all all of a sudden it's like the Wheel of Fortune lettering also lights up yes. all the letters for Red Ca Red Castle, but. I don't know. I kind of said my piece on how he's cracking, but that's a static code, right? Is that the daily code? Because he couldn't dust the fingerprints or get a sense of the daily code on that. So I have no idea, but it's just separately. like, you know, I mean, basically we saw them like get this correct on the first try, right? When they show the software. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I think one thing is like, clearly they assume not, that they're it doesn't say that he got it on the first try. Like it did enumerate through stuff that wasn't words. Okay. So there's just like, you get unlimited guesses on the password. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I mean, that's I that that would be the the prerequisite for trying to. Okay, do this but I have done like I have done like ATM testing where that was in fact the case, where there was like no delay, and <laughs> and so uh, because the the that system obviously there's some design flaws in this vault, and I think one of the design flaws in the vault was no no keypad time delay <laughs> for inaccurate codes. Dop thoughts. No, I think you pretty Got much it. nailed it. Uh, um, okay, but Dop, then we immediately see Theo shifting the mechanical locks, and he's got, what is that? It's a milling machine turned on its side with, it's an air tool uh, also? Yeah, I mean, I I love you, that thing. Uh, I've never seen anything like it in real life. you have one of those in your shop? <laughs> I, I want one very badly. Um. I wish they would discuss um, how many drill bits he had to had to uh, replace during this whole sequence. It's so it's probably using drilling bits, not milling. Like that would give you far deeper penetration, faster yeah. penetration. Yeah, I would, that would think so. To drill versus, but like, where, where's all the all the water and the lubricant? You know, like for for drilling through metal, spraying everywhere. Um. So they actually they're just now really kind of hammering home the fact that he has no shoes on for, for the audience, for, for Den and, for Den and Dop, the audience who is just sitting there listening to me watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of elevator work in this movie. It's good. It's tense though. I mean, like, did we already, oh no, we, I don't know, do, but we have had the scene already where he's on top of the elevator. No. I think we're well, probably just getting to that. He's currently on an elevator. I don't know if it's the, it's, you know, there's several scenes. Is he like li- literally standing on top of the top? Yeah. Of so it. he just looked, he put the dead body in the elevator with the note on it right now. Cause he's pretty cute. Oh, okay. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. So, and then yeah, So he watches the reaction. Yeah. So I think that this is probably the scene you're talking about. Yeah. It was like, yeah, really big thing for him to be shoeless during this whole movie. Like the author, because this apparently was based on a novel. So, a which novel. I have not read the. I just actually read the novel for uh, First Blood, which is pretty good. But I have not. I want to read the novel to Die Hard and see if it's any good. Yeah. Stop! You're a big First Blood fan. Have you read the David Morrell First Blood? I have not. Um, it's pretty. I, I love that movie. I feel like it holds up, but it's also got a lot of problems. And I, I don't know if I could. There's I could no hacking, bring my, bring, so we can't get it. Uh, yeah, I can I, yeah, I can't bring myself. Well, maybe to, like, we could. Maybe we could figure out how we hack stuff in there. <laughs> um. So yeah, they're freaking out about uh, this guy, and we find out that that was where they reveal that it's Carl's brother and just the Christmassy spirit. I can't imagine that people forgot this was a Christmas movie. Because it is really heavily a Christmas movie. It's in almost every scene. So the Christmas reference of some sort. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I can believe why they thought it was, they forgot it was a hacker movie, but I can't, I can't imagine how we had the, the Mandela effect around. Oh, Die Hard said at Christmas? Didn't <laughs> so we're getting pretty close to when John goes to the roof and radios Channel 9, right? Uh, he's writing down all the information on his forearm right now. And he wears his watch backwards. I, I do know that Bruce Willis is left-handed in real life. That's just a fact that you know when you're me. 
Um, but it did look like he was writing on his left arm there, so I'm not quite sure about what's going on there. Okay, so wait, hold on, just to clarify, when you say that he wears his watch backwards, you mean like so that the watch face is on the underside of his wrist uh-huh. or on the wrong arm? Yeah, the face of the watch is on like his inside wrist, uh, okay. like where you would test a baby's bottle for <laughs> <laughs> that part of your wrist. And the elevator shot straight up to the, so now, yeah, he is going to the rooftop. I forget what he's going to do, but I think you're, I think you're onto it. Yeah, well, this this should be the yeah. I think Dapa's right, right? This is the Channel Nine. Is this the yeah, call the fire department or no? Yeah, so he uses CB, which was an emergency channel. Um, I've said my oh, and now they're cutting to Carl's like uncontrollably mad because his brother's dead. But also, maybe Carl should have been nicer to his brother. <laughs> you know, give him a second to put those jumper clips on before you cover him in sparks um yeah so he's he's headed to the roof but they're doing uh hans has got to give carl the pep talk to say find uh or he doesn't have to find the detonators yet but just just like calm him down and uh holly is talking to ellis about what's wrong and it's obviously she's like only john can make somebody that mad all right he's running to the roof Go, go, go. I find this, so the, you recall his 911 or whatever, Channel 9, and that lady is extremely dismissive. Yeah, Mm. that's what I was going to say, too. There's no way that, I mean, that's, I guess, just the movie having fun, right? Because that stuff's taken pretty seriously. Now, if he couldn't get there, what he could do with that radio if he was knowledgeable enough would be to put out, he could put out a call on the national calling frequency, the two meter calling frequency, which some people monitor and he could mayday on there and anybody can do that. So if you're in a emergency situation like this, there's no problem with using a ham radio, a licensed radio frequency to get people's attention. Um, But uh, yeah, the the dispatchers are at this time, Monitoring CB Channel 9. I'm not sure if police dispatchers ever did that, but I can make some sense. Yeah, and they are just basically like, this is an emergency channel. And he gets cute with them, which he shouldn't do. But he's like, uh, yeah, so send send the FCC down to arrest me. Send the whole army to arrest me. <laughs> Research. Yeah, and then, then she the hears gunshot. The number one channel that you'll get in trouble for using. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, then she hears gunshots over the radio and still doesn't really do anything. Yeah, I was just going to say the number one channel probably that you'll get in trouble for using in real life these days would be like Marine 16. Like if you had a Marine, like everybody's drunk on a boat or something like that. (laughs) Do you start using 16 to talk to another boat or something like that? That's something that's probably the most monitored in like similar situation. You'd get to that today. We need Trent on to talk about marine radio, I guess. <laughs> All right. Now, they don't do Al here, Reginald Vell Johnson. He, this is his introduction. And poor guy, is his introduction is him buying a bunch of junk food. Huh? Not cool. <laughs> right? It's for his hey, wife, though. He's got a pregnant, pregnant wife at home. 
Yeah. He says it's for his wife, but everybody knows. And it's also like the guy selling it to him. Not the, not some guy who's never ate a Twinkie. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't, as, as a, as a portly sophisticated man, it's just like, Hey, I liked this fun. scene. I thought this was good. This, this, this yeah, but this, you're, uh, you're skinny. So no, but this is good at like, you, you want to get on Al's side. Gas you know, is 74 cents. For I wrote that oh down too. God. Oh my God. <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, gas. Oh, I know. I didn't see that. Kidding me. I remember being able to drive and like going to St. Louis and it was 99 cents at one point. That's the cheapest I ever saw gas in my life. <clears throat> yeah, that I can remember. I guess I, as a kid, I would have seen. Guess, yeah. So, so uh, John, so like, John's yeah, getting shot at, right? So, um, yeah, there's a gunfight on the roof with Carl. Carl okay. shooting That's the stair. Because right know. after this, um, John says something like, you know, he's kind of talking to himself. He's like, Argyle, tell me you heard the shots. I'm like, Argyle's in a limo in yeah, the garage. <laughs> I think it, it it's actually probably even easier for Al to hear the shots because when they show the building, he's like three blocks away and these yeah. guys are on the roof <laughs> shooting automatic machine guns at each other. He could see the roof of the building from the freaking 7-Eleven parking lot that he was in. Actually, Carl's got a 5.56, so it's even like a, a rifle caliber, you know, like that's going to be loud. Yeah, I definitely, because of Call of Duty, was recognizing that as a Steyr Og. <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest gun ever made. Which, I guess these guys are supposed to be German. Even though, we'll get to the weirdest line of the movie later on, <laughs> when they're in the computer lab, when uh, Hans says something in German and then has to repeat it in English. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't really get that. Oh, get the- well, I, can, I think I can at least fill you on on this part, oh. is that none of these guys, well, with the exception, I think, of Alan Rickman, all these other guys who are not actually German. They were like Russians or something. So Alan all- Rickman's not German. I think he's British. No, he, he is British. You're right. But he actually, like, from what I read, was that Could he studied German. to get a German... He studied to have a perfect German-American accent, or German-English accent, excuse me. He does but, do a good job. I mean, but basically, they said they were basically just making stuff up. So there's like one scene with the rocket launchers later on. I mean, they're like, "Much now, much now." Both now. took German. You can't tell if it's real German or not. I I, I cannot because I I do not remember right, anything. Doc, don't but. don't uh, disappoint uh, Frau Cole with your German. <laughs> I didn't even remember her name. Is that your German teacher? <laughs> yeah. Was it Debbie Cole? Is your German teacher? Yeah, I killed it there. But it was. They basically said that these guys were just like making German making sounds. German yes, exactly. Oh, which is why they didn't have subtitles. <laughs> now, Dennis, uh, you famously spent all of your time in German convincing your buddy that Jonathan Taylor Spielberg <laughs> was, in fact, really the cousin. That's true. Taylor. That's why I don't remember any. Yeah, vocabulary. You, didn't, you didn't really learn much German because uh-uh. the one guy who had it nailed years before. <laughs> Tune in to episode season one, episode five for the story of Jonathan Taylor Spielberg. Oh, that's a good callback. All right, he's now he's using his uh, HK as a <laughs> grappling hook and lowering himself down by a very thin. Oh my piece god! Of, uh, would you metal. would you ever consider doing that? I, this is also, just... it's I mean, most of these HKs had these like weird three point slings that 
I don't even think you could expand like this. But no, I would never. <laughs> so like a little bit of trivia. Integrity uh, of this yeah, yeah movie trivia time. The uh, the stuntman was not supposed to fall here, uh, and he did, and they just <laughs> kept it. They kept it in the movie. Oh my, my wife God. told me the same thing about Rickman's last fall at the end, so I think we're really going to have to get into this. Is the stuntman situation just bad on this movie that nobody <laughs> knows whenever anybody's going to fall? Well, I think the Rickman one, because uh, Die Hard is on some sort of like Netflix special that describes you know the movies we love or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that they, they said, hey, we're going to drop you on three. Yeah, and the, movies, one, the movies two, that made us. To, 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 yes, yes, exactly, that one. And, and um, so I, I mean, think- I, I'm not fit enough to call, but this fingertip, I mean, he'd have to be like Alex Honnold to get this fingertip hold on this thing <laughs> when he's like falling 20 feet, then uses his little fingies to get home. <laughs> he's in the duct, guys. It's the classic uh, Christmas ornament duct situation. Great scene. And he says the line, uh, mm, come to the coast and have a good time. I think he also follows up with uh, now I know how a TV dinner feels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not which which every, every time I not see this, I just want to go eat up a TV dinner. And why is there so much light in this duct? Like he gets his little <laughs> Zippo lighter out for a second, but there's a lot of light in this tunnel so that we can see him. It doesn't seem, I mean, okay. So now they're, they're Carl's really leading the hunt and this is Oddly reminiscent from that sneaker scene. Oh, yeah. Where the guy was in the roof, uh, where uh, Robert Redford was in the roof and they start shooting the shotgun up there. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure if a human was in one of these ducks, it would just immediately open up. <laughs> what's, the str- what's the tensile strength of these ducks? Well, you know, these these are built to code. I mean, obviously, they're taking their time. The construction is behind. <laughs> They're definitely taking their time. They're three years They're late on delivering the 30 seconds. Very good quality. <laughs> but you wash and push the sheet metal around with the barrel of his gun. It's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know about this whole thing. Yeah, no, it feels like a freaking like aluminum foil or something. I mean, it just feels like a duck that humans aren't supposed to crawl through. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after it's been perforated by machine gun fire heavily. But also, like, like he is so completely filling the volume of that duct too. Like, like yeah, it's, that is it's huge. It's <clears throat> I don't know. They must have fake duct stuff going on. I would love to try to crawl through a duct. <laughs> okay, we're gonna our, our first ever re- podcast <laughs> video that we release will be you I just witty my poo. You guys put like a cold brew in there, and I get stuck. Like, oh my the poo. god. Oh I will buy some I duck go- work, set it up in the shop, Kevin. Next through down, crawl <laughs> through it. I was just gonna say, Dop and I are going to create a ductworked maze that you have to crawl through. <laughs> oh God, I wasn't even thinking uh, trying to play the corner. <laughs> uh, McLean pops into Takagi's office just to reminisce in the old blood stains, and then okay. we got uh, our pause here house. though, real quick. Just because yeah, I wanted to say, when he emerges from the duck, his wife beater that he had been wearing is now completely brown. Is he like covered what? in soot, like dust. right now? It's dust. No, that's legit. That's well, legit. You, is that you, legit? 
Yeah, you have you live in an apartment building. You don't know the the how much you got to clean okay. the ducks. Out. So my what, wife notices once every two years you got to have somebody come and duck. Yeah, it's like it, his it's like completely shirt completely changes color. Brown. Yeah, and he is also covered in. It's like that scene from like Mary Poppins with the chimney sweep guy who's like covered in. He it's just a brand new like, building. His skin is covered in be. this stuff too. It's they've been working on this thing for years. It's just still under construction. All right, so uh, Al's coming to the front gate, and we've got even more Huey Lewis <laughs> answering the door for him. I love the European guys' American accents. By the way, like when they, I mean, so I assume great. they're Americans doing European accents. No, sometimes. I don't think so. I don't oh, think okay. so. Uh, so this guy's complaining about the computer. He's like, God damn computers and another, uh, and he's trying to watch the game. He's kicking his boots up on the desk. This is a very common, a lot of boots on desks back in the eighties. Yeah. But remember he's <laughs> emulating. He's like, this is what Americans do. Yeah. No, I think, I think he, him and Theo are the two actual American dudes that they recruited for this op. No on. way. I do not. That guy's, that guy is not. That guy never speaks German. Are you sure? Yeah. Hmm. And he actually makes it the farthest along with, like, he doesn't get shot until, like, the very end. And he uh, likes football, easy, so obviously. He's got an easy gig, though. He just sits at the front desk. Um, later on, it gets tougher. I mean, he, he gets up to the 30th floor at some point. All right, so now some some very talkative... A guy comes in and confronts Heinrich, I believe is his name, but he's like the most talkative terrorist. And uh, he gets up. This is the one where he's up on the table. Chasing. Oh, I love this guy. And, yes, and yes. Uh, Bruce shoots through the table. Because Next the guy's like, to kill you should have taken me Don't out. Don't hesitate. Yeah. 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 But he's hesitating. <laughs> I know so exactly. Now, you, do you mean like exactly like you're doing right now? Also, how visceral were like the special effect gunshot ones in this movie? I was like, oh my gosh, this is like really like explosive, just chunks of meat. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people. practical and squib work, which, you know, these days is um, kind of a a very interesting topic given the recent tragedy. But I think that that's why in the, uh, I didn't mention on the Takagi execution earlier that uh, Hans takes the, suppressor off of that pistol i think that that was just kind of a fake suppressor and he couldn't fire the blank with that mm. so that because it would it doesn't make any sense in real life if you're about to shoot somebody four feet from you inside with no hearing protection on to take off a suppressor and then do it <laughs> no 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 he no he did he did that because then the people in the other room would hear it and they would know his boss just got murdered oh no, but aren't they? I don't know. It, I mean, yeah, I was actually very hell, impressed but... recently. I was very impressed recently. I was watching, uh, actually, it's a really good show. They only did two seasons of it, but it's called Counterpart on Amazon Prime with J.K. Simmons. And in that, J.K. Simmons, before he gets into a gunfight, actually puts some like napkin in his ears. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually pretty cool because other, all of these people in all of these movies would be deaf. <laughs> all right so so basically willis then threw that guy out onto 
Al's car to get his attention. Al, <laughs> Stevie Wonder drives backwards and wrecks his car over the little uh, wrought iron thing. Seems like that would probably, you know, mess up your back pretty bad. <laughs> or like, I don't, Al, Al shakes things off for being a... <laughs> Oh, I for being it's... a desk jockey, I'll shake some, <laughs> some pretty serious. I mean, oh, you know, he spit out some blood or something when he gets out. All right. Now, Bill Atherton just entered the scene. Walter Peck from Ghostbusters, the guy from Biodome. He's in two of these die. They managed to get these, this guy in two of these diehard movies somehow. But he's in the guy from Real Genius who always plays the same annoying character. Is this, I mean, how. He's just got to be annoying in real life, right? <laughs> I think that is a. Uh, accurate... Is he that good of an actor? No, he is not. I mean, he's clearly been typecast as a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I mean, what else? Yeah. So, but if he was in real life like that, would you bring him back for Die Hard Two? Like, they really wedge him in. He's like coincidentally on a plane flying to DC with Ollie and Die Hard 2. So, yeah, but I mean, work. in Die Hard 2 or whatever it was, I mean, he clearly just cut, probably just kept me in scale and that was just, you know, a little appearance. <laughs> All right, McLean is making first contact with Hans directly now and he's he's they're playing a little cat and mouse where McLean's talking about how much information he's gathered to kind of tilt him a little bit. And similarly, uh, Hans is throwing out some, oh, pretty impressive for a security guard. Like he's he's fishing, but gets caught. Oh yeah, yeah. Fly in the ointment, Hans. Monkey in the wrench. So now he's got the detonators. Yeah. Now he's got the couple blocks of C4 and all the detonators that uh, that they need. Pivotal detonators. Sends the boys after him. Also, tactically, all this smoking. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know, but it seems like uh, maybe they smell smoke. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess when you got to smoke, you got to smoke. It smokes a lot it's in this movie. It's an, it's an addiction, Kevin. Yeah, I know, I know. Somebody on this podcast used to smoke. I won't say. <laughs> it's been a long while now. <clears throat> but this movie made me want to smoke. No. <laughs> Watching this movie almost made me a smoker again. Yeah. Do we have to edit that out? Your parents listen to this podcast? No, we do not need to edit it. Did, you, did your parents know that you smoked when you were Yeah. Adult? Oh, did they hate it? Yeah, not not. No, I they mean, actually my, liked it. <laughs> yeah, they liked they it. Loved the, they loved it. Uh, my folks actually smoked earlier, uh, um, like, but before I think, like, before getting married, they had smoked. Oh, because there's nothing relaxing like a cool Laramie cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> So now Atherton's just trying to get a van to go check out what he, he overheard on the radio that there was some gunfire or whatever. And he, it's like clear that everybody at work hates this guy. And he gets into this thing with the anchor. 
um the I, I forget what the, i don't know what the anchors guy is but there's like they make fun of the anchor too in different scenes <laughs> they just really throw a lot of shade at these random characters <laughs> that's what i was missing because i saw like i think i must have looked away from the tv or something and i looked back up and it's the anchor glowering at at uh <laughs> yeah at him so what what did he <laughs> do what did he say to this guy to to try to you know make him angry or something it, I don't. I don't even remember what he said. It wasn't much. Oh, there's some computers and some soldering <laughs> What was going? On? Oh, so he's just working his way through. Uh, and the entire time he's drilling these bolts, there's some computer model next to him of like the log stack. Yes, exactly. He's pretty cool. Um, the other the co-anchor with that guy was Mary Ellen Trainer. She's in like every. 80s movie we like because she was married to Bob Zemeckis and I guess like well I don't know if that's because but maybe you know but she's a she's in like Lethal Weapon and Die Hard and Ah. pretty much everything that's good can you guys hear me eat popcorn and does it add to the podcast (laughs) I think now I'm picking it up now that I know what that sound is okay what's happening on the screen right now I'm trying to place myself in the movie ah he's walking into the data center which we finally see these control data corporation cabinets. So control data corporation, Minneapolis company, our former colleague, Carl Schwartz worked for control data corporation at one point. Oh, but they made ostensibly, they made all kinds of computers, but founded by Seymour Cray specialized in high performance computers at the time. Their flagship would have been like a MIPS based, uh, Maybe what? Yeah. What? What's the um, like a CDC forty three eighty with a MIPS thirty eight forty running EPIX? So, uh, Cray Supercomputer wasn't founded until ninety two. So this is the original. And Seymour <laughs> Cray is like one of my favorite hardware engineers. He used to live far enough into Wisconsin that he like he could be like, oh, I'm not going to that meeting because I live in Wisconsin. <laughs> but he founded his company in Minneapolis, so he could do that. Definitely an engineer's engineer. He also apparently like dug a tunnel under his house. <laughs> like he used to get head clarity by digging. So he had this big tunnel under his house. Like making a bunker or just a random No, he sort just of liked tunnel. to dig. So I guess he was digging this tunnel. Tragically died in a car accident way too young. Ooh. I think in like 96 or 90. All right. So Al's boss just showed up and he is like the classic bureaucratic cop. Oh, I like, love this guy. Oh, Dwayne. <laughs> but he's yeah. like Deputy Chief Dwayne Al Robinson. Thinks... <laughs> yeah. Deputy <laughs> Chief and he's telling Al, like, how do you know he didn't just kill those guys? Like, I could easily foresee me being this guy too. Like, <laughs> like coming in and being like, what's going on? You guys are, this is too chaotic. <laughs> and then Atherton shows up and he just drives this van all over the place. They bring in a little TV. It's a color portable TV that they bring in for Hans to watch the news. Holly comes in and she starts negotiating and they have this great thing. It's like, what idiot put you in charge? And she says, you did. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. And, and by the way, that, that, that little, I totally remember like when they bring that little TV out because it reminded me when I was, I think in eighth grade, I got a little handheld television. For Christmas, Sony Watchman or something. 
not a Watchman. Like it looked like it was like the size of a Game Boy, but the screen mm-hmm. uh, was like way tiny. No, it was color. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was probably like like an inch by two inch screen. So you could watch PBS. I would watch a, on air broad. I guess you lived in DC, so you probably got some channels. I would watch. Uh, I would use it to watch David Letterman. <laughs> uh, that's what. Like I would you'd do. hold it up and yes, that's what I had to do. What do you? I mean, like with the fuck with and the big many, antenna. Like how fast would that thing go through AA batteries? Oh my like, god! I'm sure you plugged it into the wall, but for, so for, fast. So and no, I didn't. It would go through AA batteries all the time because I don't think that we. I don't think it came with the AC adapter. So you're just yeah. Oh my god. Dennis, what did you do to the environment? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm sure I properly disposed of those double uh, A batteries as a twelve year old. Throwing them at, at squirrels <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now what's happening? All right, now we get to the party that Argyle is throwing by himself with the bear. I love I love that so much. Is this where he's like pour is this where he's pouring like the like Yeah, he's got like whiskey? airplane balls. Now this is where oh. I would be like this actually he's watching TV, he's listening to music, he's drinking these airplane bottles, hanging out with this big stuff bear. I can like see if there's any type of negative vibe going on in his personal life. Why Argyle is just hanging out. So maybe maybe you know, I was supposed wrong to be working. Maybe maybe yeah, maybe it's not like, oh, he's just kind of doing a weird limo thing. Maybe he was just hired for the entire night also, to take John wherever he needs to it's, go. It's way more – or, yeah, or he could just charge this to – maybe he's just, like, going to do some paperwork to charge this whole thing to Nakatomi later. But the um, the other thing is, like, of people who you could excuse for not hearing the gunfire, he's 30 floors down in a sealed car, whereas everybody else is, you know, like – the cops and stuff like that should have, or like, you know, Al should have heard it from the gas station, I'm saying. So that's your primary argument? I thought you were going to get into like, maybe he shouldn't but make him drive. Now, because <laughs> he does immediately. Do, yeah, I was, was going to say, like, drinks, if our girl is supposed to be driving John later, maybe he shouldn't be drinking. It's the 80s. Come on. Yeah. It's, it's when it was like, Point one point two, like you know how much they've lowered that drinking. <laughs> uh, I mean, Argyle was there to help John out. Remember, I mean, because he's like, hey, listen, man, he because when he was get when he was grilling John on the drive over to the tower, right? He's like, you know, John's admitting that he's trying to sort of reconcile yeah, seems- stuff. It seems like a you know no, half but, that half conspiring for a little time theft. No, but remember because he's like, hey, listen, man, I'm gonna wait here and you tell me how it goes because like if it goes well, I'll be here to drive you back to your lady's place, and if it doesn't go well, I'll like drop your bags off. Yeah, so that you can you know get a cab to wherever you're going. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the it's not one of the more. Uh, serious plot holes in the movie i think the radio stuff is really the biggest plot hole guys am i right (laughs) we will cover the other big technical plot hole with this wall later okay so he's back in the data center and this is where he's running past like a hundred cabinets that i'll say there's also some maybe like ibm 360 cabinets um and there's definitely some ibm just like straight up pc workstations there too Mm. One of which he uses to strap to this bomb lighter in a minute. 
and they this is like the very unsuccessful SWAT team <laughs> expedition. Oh my god! Okay, it's glass doors. These SWAT guys are dressed completely in black, and they sneak up to these glass doors. But like, or the, I mean, like, what is the? I also love that this uh, the. One of the terrorists is eating a crunch bar from the little concession stand. Oh, I love that guy. And I think that yeah, guy was in the big trouble with Little weapon. China. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's in everything. But, Dop, the lock picking thing. <laughs> like, let's walk up to this glass door and try to pick the lock <laughs> while the terrorists are on the <laughs> other side looking at us <laughs> for how long. Like, I know the SWAT team is supposed to be bumbling here, but. Have we ever seen any <laughs> video of a real life SWAT team? No, you you go through one of the first floor windows or anything like that, but it's still like, I mean, it's glass. It's fine yeah, until it's just, shooting I mean, at you. They would you. just break glass and walk through. <laughs> I mean, if, I don't, I don't think that a SWAT team is ever going to try to pick that lock, <laughs> especially yeah, while they're watching. And then later on, let's not forget there, that even though the glass is, is shot out, they never ever try to go back in through those doors. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, at that point it's breach, right? Like so and now Theo turns into like the Theo's the the running it like a football game calling plays via the monitor. This guy's eating the crunch bar. Huey Lewis is adjusting his earpiece. We got a sniper on the roof. Yeah. This is like very actor SWAT stuff. Like now these days now you get I don't know if it's better or worse, but you do get a lot more tactical That's always bugged me too though, because like he was like calling these plays and it's like he could easily have been like, Hey, go here, do this. Instead he's fucking around with his fucking football plays. <laughs> so they shoot the lights out, which there still there always seems like a lot of light in this movie. When these guys shoot these lights out, still seems bright to me. <laughs> Later on, when they cut all the power, it still seems bright. I what's what is this an acetylene torch that the next guy comes in? Why didn't they start with that? And also, it's still a glass door, so why are they even trying to cut the bolt with acetylene? <laughs> it also seems like the mix, the fuel mix, is like way off. I can only assume. I can only assume that they they wanted to try to breach quietly, which is gone at this point. On the back, I guess maybe they just got a deal on sparks in this in the special effects department for this movie, because they're cutting it with a torch. Is there really going to be a, so much sparks behind it? <clears throat> I don't know. Dop, you're the you're our uh, welding and torching expert. Sparks? Yeah, it looked like sparks. they were grinding it. Lots of sparks. Okay, good to know. Now they're bringing these uh, rocket propelled grenades up because they see this uh, armored personnel carrier that big 80s thing calling these uh, APCs and various cop vehicles uh, RVs. They do that in Tango Cash too. Like they're just like people love infatuated with RVs. Dennis, are you there? Hey, yep. Bring you in can't the car. Hear anymore? Bring in the I car. lost Dop's audio. So Dennis can't hear Dop anymore. It's great. Great for the podcast. I'll be the glue <laughs> that keeps you guys together. Oh, I can hear Dop in my ears, but it says Dop is offline on the thing. Mm, no. Dop, do you want to try to recall them? I mean, I uh, see the like, I'll try audio that. signal when Dop is talking, but I can't hear him. 
Let yeah, me, I can uh, hear yeah, I'll try to. I'll try to reconnect uh, mid podcast. It'd be great. Sounds good. I'll edit it. So they just drove this tank upstairs. Dennis, you're my man now, dog. This seems like a, a ambiguous strategy here for them to drive this like tank thing to the front because it was unclear to me what they were going to be doing with this. Was it just to rescue? I think the they're going to drive into the the lobby. And it said they got a big rocket to the face of this. Yeah, <laughs> this APC. Okay. All right, now here but you're to, but little... point, but but to Dop's point, by the way, okay, those guys didn't they take those rockets down in the elevator or no? Uh, they took them up to the roof or a, uh, some. No, it wasn't the roof because like they shot those guys from only like they definitely shot those APCs from lower than the thirtieth floor, right? Oh, maybe they went down. Yeah, but it, also I they spent a lot of time like bolting this thing to the floor. Yeah, I mean it's self propelled, right? Like. Is there really such a huge reason to bolt it to the floor? I have no. Dop, how you doing? Are you with us again? I maybe. I don't know what Dop's. Yes. Oh, I hear him. Yep. All right, Dop's back. Dang, I'm just okay. I'm a little delayed. (laughs) How many times have you guys wanted to take a CRT monitor? Put it on a chair and throw it down the elevator shaft. I mean, saw this movie. I didn't know, like. What was the point of doing that? Just to weight down the chair with the. I think it's to get more guns. compression for the bomb. And how reckless! So I don't understand be? this because doesn't C four have to have like an electrical signal? No, C four a blasting capital set. So C four needs flame and compression. This is an explosives podcast, right? <laughs> Right, but that the, just I mean, like the monitor's s- not going to give it flame. It's a, not plugged in. No, the monitor. So the monitor is basically his uh, shrapnel. It's providing compression to make it a more serious situation. Plus, it makes it fall, like stay on. He's got to sandwich it to the chair. Mm. Otherwise, it could you know could fall apart when it's around. Guys, come on. Yeah, it just seemed crazy to me because I'm like, at this point in the movie, I'm losing track of who's on which floor. So he's just like throwing a chair. <laughs> they may of not C4. be perfect about how they're tracking it. Either. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, he's throwing a chair of C4 down, and it's like, okay, you know, what floor do you expect this to explode on? I thought he and was. Is that the one doing... with all the innocent people? Well, well, there's definitely terrorist on the ground floor that we're shooting so i i don't know if he was trying to take out those two terrorists he definitely wasn't trying to take out the rocket terrorists because those guys survived i'm just saying like who is he trying like what is his plan by throwing the, C4 the people that down? were shooting out of the ground floor i think he saw which is the guy who was eating the crunch bar and huey lewis but the, huey okay. lewis lives so Maybe yeah, it's not so good. Okay, because like uh, the 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 party That's and true. the hostages were still on the thirtieth. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> I don't know. We may have figured out that <laughs> there might have been a mix up there. Is that guy supposed to live? Because he was definitely one of the shooters on the glass on the bottom. Oh, definitely, floor, yeah. And they does say I got we waxed two more on the ground floor. Well, I've got some bad news for you, Dwayne. <laughs> Told podcast. 
Yeah, this whole podcast is worth it. We found another movie mistake. <laughs> a slight movie mistake with a movie that's been out for 40 years. We did it, years. guys. We did it. As if the FM two-meter transceiver plot hole wasn't big enough for the listeners. We really cracked another one. <laughs> The guy with cowboy boots dying on the ground floor. Have we gotten to the uh, Ellis asserting himself point yet or no? No, that's coming up, I think, pretty quick. Yeah, Ellis is is getting a little uh, nose courage going. <laughs> By the so, way, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big cocaine user. <laughs> so I, like, he did cocaine earlier. He's doing cocaine now. I also How think in, in a minute enough. we're going to see like one of the terrorists pours him in a Coke. And I'm wondering if that yes. was like a misinterpretation of the script. I'm like, terrorist gives Elliot more Coke. <laughs> he pours a glass of Coke. Because it just that seems, I mean, funny. it's maybe it's just a product placement, but it's like very odd that this terrorist is like, hey, you want a Coca-Cola? Oh, my God. So Ellis comes in and and really tries, I mean... This doesn't seem totally out of the park for an 80s sales guy, but he says like six very offensive things about like, I don't know if you're into this or that, but it's like all racial slurs in his <laughs> sales pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Northern Ireland. It's like, yeah, he's very, he runs through a list <laughs> and Hans is business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. Have you guys had success with the fountain pen? Never. Like I cannot actually write with one of those. It seems like something you would have invested a lot of time in, started restoring antique fountain pens, and just <laughs> never had success with. Dop, you still with us? Are you a fountain pen guy? Am I lost, Dop, again? Or are you oh. delayed? Dop has real potato internet. <laughs> I, try, I was I was at Dobbs' house in like September. And it was like real hard to have a conference call. So McLean is now on the phone with Al talking about Twinkies. He just ate a bad Twinkie, and this is the other thing. By the way, no such like, thing as a bad Twinkie. Okay, but here's my. It's another like slight radio gap here of like if you were eating a bad Twinkie, would you be holding down the push to talk on this? HT while you did it so that Al could overhear you have a bad plate oh, taste in your mouth. So this is one of the things that I wanted to bring up about this. Yes, because now we're later in the movie and um we're still not at the point where I think that it totally would have happened, but this channel, like the bad guys are on the same channel with them. Right? Yes. That's why I'm so enthralled by all the the crazy radio stuff is like everybody's using the same yes so th this <laughs> is like i mean to jump ahead a little bit when he's like when uh he, you know i just feel like there's such antagonism between john mcclain and all these terrorists clearly right mm -hmm. that when he's pouring his heart out to al later yeah, i just feel like there would be like a german guy that's like Oh boohoo! Like, like you know, like just saying yeah. something like, yeah, like mocking it. him on the channel while he's trying to pour his heart out to Al. You know, yeah. And I mean, this like mysterious push to talk button has never been more mysterious than in this Ellis conversation because, <laughs> like, Ellis is like going off and on, you know, like pushing it in to say something, and then but at one point, McLean is listening to Ellis. Yes, like, hey, uh, hey, uh, I'm not a 
it's, I'm not a method actor, man. Put the gun down. It's like, okay, your finger's still on that button. And he's also <laughs> holding it. Uh, this would be really hard to hold a walkie talkie up and have and thumb it for somebody else to have a conversation. Like yes. when do you know, how do you know when Hans wants to talk? <laughs> it just seems really hard. It's also hard to argue over an HT. It's just like you would just start talking at the same time and walk each other out. Oh, totally. And like, okay, so how far along are they on in this? Uh, the Coke, the, the Coca-Cola is just now getting poured. So, Because <laughs> I have one big movie plot hole here that like absolutely, I'm just like, I do not believe that Ellis would not have done this. Um, What's that? You and do that's, not believe that Ellis would have not done this. I don't believe that Ellis would not have sold John out and said, hey, this like told Hans Gruber that John's wife is Holly. It is it is redeeming that he kind of comes in and says, "Oh, he was my." Guy. I mean, for such a terrible character, I guess I guess that actually makes you feel. I didn't feel that way about him. I just felt like like you're the stupidest asshole. Like like you're an you you are an asshole character. I think they they may want our the little st- heartstrings a little bit. So like that's the only redeeming thing about Ellis is that he does say that. John is his friend. I uh, I don't know. Ah, uh, okay. I I didn't even give Ellis credit for that. I just thought, yeah, Ellis Ellis is kind of putting this. John's my guest, and you know what he does. He does kind of protect yeah Holly from the situation compared to like they vilify rather than rather than well he, that he, up. he he makes billion dollar deals for breakfast. million million million, million dollar yeah. deals. But by the way, like. I don't, I mean, but I don't, there's no way somebody on this call does make million dollar deals fairly regularly. It's like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> but I just don't believe like Ellis does not strike me as the kind of guy who's going to like play it, you know, like that. I just totally, I totally thought that like, cause I can, I had not watched this movie in a sense. All right. Anyway, Ellis is out now here. Actually, uh, this is actually where he goes and he, he holds down the push to talk so they can hear the, the crowd scream. So I don't know on the early suppressor one if you also think that's true, but I think you're right that they do kind of cut back and they they hear that shot from Takagi. And now they're all like, oh, they just gave him up. But you can't, I mean, yeah, Dwayne. Dwayne's not the best hostage negotiator. By the way, Dennis, you read a book on hostage negotiation in preparation for this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say, like, how many partygoers, co-workers of Ellis, weren't that sad? <laughs> Count me among yeah. one of them. Yes, I, that would have been me. Um, Dennis, in preparation for this podcast, you read an extensive uh, tribute. or uh, I did. Never split the difference. Never split the difference, which you told me to go read, and I read three quarter or half of it. I was like, "This is terrible." <laughs> One of the many recommendations. What? But uh, what? How? What was your evaluation? I. He just seemed like he was kind of self congratulating himself a lot. I didn't. Really, I didn't like. Really, but and, uh, how do you feel the hostage negotiation went throughout this? Not great, because at one point. Uh, I think uh, what what is the guy's name? Dwayne, who's Al's uh-huh. Al's boss. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not him. It's uh, once the two FBI guys arrive on the scene, Johnson and, and Johnson. Yes, Johnson and Johnson. They jump in the helicopter, and Johnson like uh is like, "Hey, let's go up there. We're in the helicopter." He's like, "I'm, <laughs> I'm anticipating twenty five percent 
hostage loss or whatever. Like he's like already going. His plan, his plan A is to kill one quarter of all the <laughs> yeah, hostages. Yeah, I can live with that. Yeah. Oh my god! So no, that's he, his projection. It's not his plan. It's his he projection. would not have passed. But that. Hans is doing some good work here. He's just asking for a bunch of stuff, and he knows these people aren't in a position of authority to even say no to him. So it's just a delay tactic for him. I think Hans is a pretty good negotiator. No, I think I think that Hans, you know, I think, you know, from Theo's perspective, we all agree that if we were Theo, this is kind of crazy that you would agree to this. But Hans has shown that he's in control of the situation, that everything is while kind of the, the money. Some upfront cash, too. Yeah. But he's dealing with the monkey wrench of John McLean pretty good, and it's all still operating within his plan. So I'd say, hey, you know, kudos to Hans Gruber for having a very uh, accommodating plan. So you're in, you're in camp, Hans. <laughs> so I am firmly saying that Hans was right in this movie. Yes. So Hans checked in with Theo there, and Theo's got one lock, one mechanical lock to go. So apparently he brought enough drill bits, but what what would we want to use in this situation, Dop? Is it tungsten is the material of choice? Carbide? What's the go to safe drill safe drill? I mean, you, you, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, tung, tungsten would be great if you could get that. But I mean, like typically, like a titanium bit maybe would probably be the the way to go. But I mean, the real the real issue titanium is gets cooler. soft when it gets hot, though, right? And I don't. That's what I learned on Forged and Fire. There you go. You need coolant. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> so they sure. do a little uh, cut back to the news thing, and they call something Helsinki syndrome. And the joke is that the guy's like Helsinki, uh, Sweden. But really, it's Stockholm syndrome. So maybe both of the, you know, uh, it's, it just seems like a weird joke to me. Hmm. Also on the news, my analysis of that. No, <laughs> but, but also on the news, they attribute this whole like scheme to Hans Gruber. Yet there's like literally no no one on the police has any idea who Hans Gruber is, or that he may be affiliated with this. So how is the news reporting that it's Hans Gruber? Well, because Atherton's there and had sussed out based on the CB stuff that it like they found out that it was Hans. The news team is ahead of the. I mean, they're cracking. Honestly, it's a pretty good news team. It's just a shame that Atherton is so unlikable. Okay, now the Johnson and Johnson, which one is Agent Johnson, one special Agent Johnson. This is yet another like uh, prequel that I would watch. That is just how (laughs) did John? What is the backstory of Johnson and Johnson? Uh, They're obviously recently paired up. You know, one's an agent, one's a special oh, agent. Oh, uh, so the yeah. the difference there is that special agents have the authority to investigate. Well, the, the one special agent, Johnson, is actually one of the Fratelli brothers from yes. Goonies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. The other guy is in Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, I watched Lethal Weapon, the other, not Lethal Weapon 2. He's in Lethal Weapon, the original. And he's the guy who explains to Raj in the beginning that Raj is getting a new partner. Mm. And then uh, Raj tries to get in a fight with Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson like throws him down and holds a gun on. That's their very first meet cute there. All right. Hans just 
jumped down from checking out the detonators and Bruce Willis confronts him and Hans puts on this voice. What do you guys think about uh, Hans's American accent as a British actor? I just mean, I feel like he must think like all Americans are so dumb, like <laughs> with the way that he was doing it. That's, a, that's how I took it. Dop's offline again. Oh, Dop. Yeah, oh, Dop totally dropped. Okay. I think he's coming back. Dop, can you hear me? Oh, Dop's internet source, man. Okay. Have we gotten to the point uh, in the movie where Hans now under like realizes that uh, there's a connection between Holly and John? No, that's that's later. It, that's coming it's, up. This okay. is just the extended scene right now. With uh, so it's cutting between McLean and Hans hanging out, where they're like making up. Oh, I'm Bill Clay from the convenient little. Oh yeah, I like this. Okay, all right. Actually, so I'm very curious about this scene. So with this, what is your opinion on this? Do you think that does McLean suspect? That he Hans yeah. is a terrorist, or I think he never he never once uh, trusts him. At least zero okay. trust policy, one on one, and yeah, he real quickly sources sus, susses this out. There's like no risk at all for him ever in this situation, so he handles it well. Now he didn't immediately shoot the guy. I think just in case he was telling the truth. But it okay. makes sense. Like, Han, so Dop, are you back? Classic. I am. Oh, okay. Oh, there we go. I hear him. Just a little bit of lag. Welcome back, Dop. Three, two, one. I assume we're talking about Bill Clay. Yeah. So he's at the wall. We're doing exact. That's exactly where we're at. Good work. Uh, you get, you guys ever do paintball? Yes. I've never done it. You've never done it? Nah. Wow. I'm surprised Seems you... Like it hurts your fingies. Oh, I dude. My fingies definitely hurts. Yeah, it definitely hurts. But um, yeah, I've, done, I've only done it a couple of times and, and not any time recently. But uh, we, we certainly did it for some birthday parties and, and whatnot, like growing up. I've worked for a guy, uh, like the guy who was my <laughs> first manager at the ISP, uh, Tom, was like, at one point... Maybe a semi-professional paintball player as well. I can just say that my most memorable paintball memory was uh, from one of Mikey's birthday parties. Like he must have been in eighth grade or something. So <laughs> we uh, we went to some paintball thing and all of Mikey's eighth grade buddies, they were all on one team. And it was like me, my dad, and like, you know, maybe another one of our bro- my brothers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so it was like a bunch of adults versus a bunch of kids. And my dad, it was like a fort kind of thing. My dad ran up and there was like just a little kid, one of Mikey's friends hiding inside the fort, like guarding. And my dad just jammed his gun up between like the boards and just shot this kid at like, like <laughs> range. And it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, okay. But back to die. What is happening now in the movie? Well, 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 Hans. You should be on TV with that accent. 
Mm. So Hans has got the what we know to be the unloaded Beretta. Okay. Pointed tearing. That's a pretty tricky accent. Yeah. So, and the confidence of uh, McLean at this point. But you wanted those detonators. I already used all the explosives. I still. But we're uh, about to see the big computer room shootout. So it's, yeah. getting, it's ramping up for. <laughs> One of the closest things to hacking in this movie is them shooting up a bunch of computers. <laughs> a lot of bonsai trees, even in the computer room. Bonsai. Bonsai. Bonsai, I believe. No, not bonsai. I mean, am I incorrect? I thought it was just bonsai. I think bon- there's multiple. Bonsai. Bonsai. So it's, it's just how serious do you want to take I'm, it? I'm, I'm, with Dennis. I'm with Dennis on this. Bonsai. Yeah, that, where do you I've seen Karate on, Kid a number of times. Where do you see it exactly. stand on nuclear, <laughs> metadata? Oh my god, don't water. even get me started on metadata. Dennis, uh, or, or Doc. Well, we could we could also do log four J versus log forge. <laughs> oh yeah, people don't want to hear about log four J anymore. Yeah. That's why we've pretty much given up on the application security podcast that we're doing. <laughs> Okay, now I have never pulled glass out of my foot like this. I did once step on a sea urchin and get spines of a sea urchin in my foot, Ugh. and that was basically my diehard weekend. And I don't think that this guy could continue after he had. I had sea stepped on a nail. I did step on a nail once too when I was a little kid. I when, did, when was the last time you stepped on a nail? I stepped on a nail. It was in my townhome in Virginia. Um, so it wasn't like super, super deep, but I definitely stepped on it and then looked and like my sock, I had like a, you know, a circle of you know, red blood, like on the sock. I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. On the bottom of your foot, it does seem like it's a little bit more impactful, but Dot, Dot had a, uh, not stepping on something, but you got a piece of wire stuck in your leg from Ooh. the shop accident. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a angle grinder, not a, not a, not a portable air grinder <laughs> no but, air tool. Uh, uh, you know wire plugged in the wall under. wire wheel piece of wire went through my pants into my leg and it is still there to this day just oh. like a sliver but it was like really uncomfortable for a long time right is it still you feel it yeah it's not, it's not great um but no <laughs> I, I don't feel it at all it's just in there uh-huh. um but I, i've had i've had a little like like skin thing removed from the bottom of my foot. And I was in a boot for like three months and John McClane's just yeah. like walking around like <laughs> no big. Yeah. I mean, he's really tough. I think that that's what we can really figure out is that John McClane is pretty tough. Maybe it's a different terrorist is who he is. I don't know. I'm like, where is this? Oh no. Even the guy who was eating the crunch bar is up on 30th floor. So who died in the basement? Anybody? Nobody. What was the point of that bomb? Are you saying the basement is like where the C4 exploded? Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, well, on the ground floor. Yeah, like the that's fifth floor. There's like that. Fifth floor? There's like the non. There's like the nondescript blonde guy. And Carl's real mad because John got away again. So they really shot up this data center. Uh, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen happen in a data center? Uh, I have n- not yeah, really. I have laugh. no crazy data center stories. All of mine were just revolved around putting crypto miners in them. <laughs> so that, <laughs> it was pretty tame. I've seen 
I've seen some stuff unnecessarily get crushed in a baler, like wasn't supposed to get crushed in a baler, like a, like full boxes of customer equipment get crushed in a baler. I've also, I also, the storage array fell and actually hurts. I mean, I don't, I shouldn't get into that, but they were unloading a storage array, but I've never seen a shootout is I guess my point. I've seen, Dop likes to get into cabinets. And like pretend like he's locked in the cabinets. That's fun. <laughs> it's a great picture of Dot being locked in a cabinet. That is funny. I, it only it, it only happened at one time. It's a great photo. But it happened. It might be your avatar or something. <laughs> like I've seen it a lot. I've seen that photo a lot. You look like you're like uh, one of the Superman villains that <laughs> that gets sent off in this. Oh right, yeah. Like it's like stuck in like. Like the flat record or whatever the hell happens for me. Yeah. Oh yeah, like uh, that. Like going yeah, to like the parallelogram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we get Al's backstory, which, by the way, seems like Al's backstory very is- relevant. <laughs> so Al accidentally shot a thirteen-year-old who had a ray gun, and then could never get himself to draw his yeah. pistol again. And and it does. I do like the dynamic of John makes like one too many jokes while he's like getting ready to hear the story, and then he just feels like shit about it. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I just sorry, <laughs> I feel like shit about that. But it is more also like you're trying to pull all this glass on your foot, and you have this perfect like who's pushing down the button on your radio to talk back and forth. Like these things turn into speakerphones way too much, I guess is the problem. Oh, I totally got that vibe too. Cause like John had it like hanging off of like the front of his shirt for a while and he's talking, everyone's listening. And yeah. Now, you know, the Vox stuff. So voice, you know, voice triggered stuff would work maybe better, but nobody uses that still. But back in this radio did not have that. Den- Dennis, do you, Dennis, do you mean his ground, his his green brown shirt that was used oh to be white? Oh my god, yes, because it yes, mysteriously it, turned brown after he came out. Okay, totally. Yes, yes. Not only yes, because it goes from white to like oh, okay, immediately okay, okay. to brown, and then yes, transitions to like green. <laughs> like guys, we have to do this part of the movie justice. I'm rewinding it. They are now cutting the circuits to the building. Up. Oh. And we get this, they're, they're in the computer room. They're going to cut in the street circuits. Now let's threat model this vault a little bit. What are the two primary design flaws with this vault? I would say, uh, unlimited password guessing. It requires power. <laughs> okay. What are the three? So that one's covered. Here's, here's one. The vault <laughs> fails open, right? Yep. Like I have read no shit. I have read six time lock vault patents and all of them fail closed and all of them have like recovery procedures that if it's failed closed for some reason, like that you drill and like energize the solenoid to move the thing. So pretty much in in all the, the diagrams I saw, it looks like the solenoids retract the bars. And then when there, so when there's no power, it releases, and then springs push the bars into the lockout position, so you can't open it with the other pins. So this this vault was designed the other way, in which when the solenoid is energized, that's when the pins go in. So if you cut the power, they go, they fall down. 
which is possible, but not a good design. This building seems to have a lot of backup emergency power, does it not? <laughs> like <laughs> when, like immediately after they cut the power, are you guys still there? Is anybody? With yeah, you? yeah, no, I'm here. <laughs> yes, when they cut that power, yes, and it immediately it's like up oh, backup power. So yeah, but so, a lot of those are like battery powered. Okay, battery, battery okay, power, but they why why does the vault not have any battery? Especially in the situation, like I can get wanting it to fail open because like you want to get stuff out of there. But then in that case, wouldn't you also have better? I mean, yeah, just the bad of your backup. And in fact, when they open the vault, I'm looking at it right now. There's lights on in the vault. So, hey, maybe <laughs> let's turn the lights off and the, the battery backup lights, the vault off and divert that to the timeline. So we're officially done, I guess, with all the hacking. We need an electrician. Here. We need an electrician. I don't, I don't, yeah. Well, we got a mechanical job. This is your job. You're the mechanical engineer that we brought on for your vault expertise, man. No, no. I, yeah. Mechanical. I can tell you how the fucking door works. I can't tell you how the lights are on. <laughs> yeah. Completely out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, there definitely should have been battery oh backup diverted to those things. Every patent I read said, use this with battery backup. Okay, so where are we now in the movie? We got the first cell phone, uh, handheld cell phone. So Special Agent Johnson's calling in the, the choppers. We need air support coming in five minutes. The vault is open. Theo's doing his Barabon mad grab. He's flashing through the pictures like a picture book, except it doesn't move. And it's just like George Washington's face mm, on all of yep, them. Yep, yep, yep. It's very odd. Okay. Hans is in the vault, and he's talking to the but, FBI. All right, so... So these, the, these, these gunships that are coming in, they, they come in and like the cutscenes for this, they're, they're, they're constantly flying through buildings, flying through buildings, flying through buildings, <laughs> yes. coming up on Nakanomi whatever, Plaza, coming up on Nakanomi Plaza. Whatever the and blue like, angel like five minutes goes by and still coming up on Nakanomi Plaza. <laughs> also, it's like, they're definitely flowed by whatever the helicopter equivalent to the blue angels <laughs> Like the marine flight, helicopter flight, uh, you know, like they're doing some serious aerial ap- acrobatics in these in these choppers. That's what I was like trying to get the sense of like in the special effects of this is, are these models that they're sort of swinging through a little made up city or is this, is this like them superimposing actual helicopter maneuver? I, I I'm sure it's a mix. But it does seem like some of these helicopter stuff, some of this helicopter stuff is real. Hmm. So McLean's basically telling Al that he's got a bad feeling. And when he dies, please tell Holly, I'm sorry that I keep bringing up this whole last name thing. I've been a, I've been a real jerk about it. Why don't you just have whatever name you want? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And this is exactly where I would expect like Carl to come on and be like, oh, the little baby is so sad that his wife, like, like, <laughs> like mocking him <laughs> on this open communication channel that the terrorists are on. There's no way that they're like not going to try to like push his buttons. <laughs> that was a that that was a tough thing for me to uh to swallow watching this movie. And also, you know, you were complaining about uh McLean's dirty shirt. I got news for you. It's mm. off. Oh yeah, well <laughs> that's true. Yes, he does lose the shirt entirely at at mm-hmm. some point, yes. We're in the third act, shirtless act. Which is definitely it seems like he's shaving a weird part of like Above his chest hair, but below his neck. He's like shaving. <laughs> an inch. 
Oh my god. Al and him are still on the phone, chatting in. Dop's firing up his internet again. Dop, we're in the shirtless third act when you're ready to chime in. Well, at least we don't have to discuss that t-shirt anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did notice like the new oddity is the two inches of bare chest that he's been shaving. All right, now here's where Atherton like really comes down on this. Uh, is it a nanny? I guess, or how, I don't know if it's a housekeeper or a nanny, but he's like, "I'm going to call the INS on you, comprende?" So he's really built. This is where we up to this point. I could have given Atherton a pass here. It's not like Ghostbusters Atherton, where he's just like real. Honestly, I can give Ghostbusters Atherton a pass too. <laughs> they shouldn't have that that grid in, in the middle of Manhattan. So, so no, here, here's a problem, like. What I think this movie is they're, they're assuming that the nanny is an illegal immigrant. She should have just mm. said, fuck you, I'm legal, and then close the door. <laughs> uh, okay, so the roof is rigged. So John is radioing in. It's But he's he also like, okay, so he's radioing in and he's saying the double cross. And then um, Carl puts the stare in his face. He stops talking. Like, wouldn't that be the point to like, why don't you just get that one thought out before this guy shoots you? Because <laughs> be like, it's a double cross. The whole roof is rigged to blow. Like, it seems important to say. So is John selfish that he doesn't say it? John should definitely be <laughs> getting the word out that the roof is rigged to blow. I am in your uh, to blow and I'm in your camp. Yes. <laughs> All right, Dop. Here's the Carl McLean fight. As our uh, martial arts expert. Carl's got some, it's a lot of kicking. It's an excessive amount of kicking. A lot of kicking John while he's on the ground. This whole thing is complete bullshit. (laughs) The fight scene. Um, Any one of these kicks to the head, you're done. (laughs) Yeah, you'd just be done. Like that's the fight fight over. These are are actually kicks that are... illegal in ufc right you cannot kick a down opponent like that in UFC. right you cannot do that because the fight would be over and you do permanent harm so th- yeah this whole fight seems complete bullshit <laughs> 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 what martial art do you think involves all this uh <laughs> kicking the down opponent is it like t- well i mean i mean kicking down opponents and, and everything <laughs> it's, it's very it's, it's very krav maga Krav Maga, very, yeah. very effective, and not not fucking around, yeah. <laughs> in, intentionally trying to kill your opponent. But he does this one double jump kick that's like definitely yeah, like a. We had him in karate, but I don't think we. <laughs> I think every time you actually tried to use one sparring, <laughs> Sensei Baka would come over and be like, "Hey, don't do that. <laughs> that's just a show kick." Yeah, that that shit doesn't work. But you know, kicking someone in the it, kicking someone in the head while they're on their knees is effective. So Johnson and Johnson are in the helicopter, and this is where we get the Vietnam thing, where the guy's like, oh, just yes. like Saigon, and the other guy's like, uh, I was in yeah. junior high, and calls him a dickhead. <laughs> so it's clear that now we get some insight that these guys don't even like each other. I like that. This is why I would watch. These are the guys that I want to watch the, and get another prequel on, on how these guys got uh, hooked up together. <laughs> yeah, it does seem good. Also, I mean, the one guy... <laughs> Uh, older Agent Johnson now has a sniper rifle with some type of 
early night vision optic. Oh my God. Yes. This gigantic scope that he which, has on it. Which would be by far the hardest possible thing to shoot out of a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> like, Actually, I have a note here. Kev, have you ever shot out of a helicopter? No, they do have them at some precision rifle matches, but I've never been to one that like does a helicopter shoot. Mm. I've shot, I have shot out of a helicopter chassis, but it was like just the body of a helicopter. I've never actually mm. shot out of a flying helicopter. But when they do those things, they almost always are like, yeah, don't use your precision rifle for this. Like there's usually like a stage gun that's like an AR-15 because with like no magnification because it's really hard to shoot. (laughs) You know, like a a sniper rifle is like the worst thing to try to shoot out of a helicopter. The magnification doesn't help. It's got a slow rate. Because imagine that like you're leading your target with the speed of the helicopter. Oh, with yeah. what angle the the helicopter is closing on the target. So it's like really hard to calculate any type of lead or trajectory. But I, and I think most of the shooting that they actually shoot out of the helicopter is somebody on like the door gunner. All right. This fight is still going on and now it's a lot of hugging dop. They're hugging and they gets this chain wrapped around his neck. Do you have any advice on fighting around chain hoists? You do have a chain hoist in your <laughs> in your uh, shot. I, I do have a chain hoist. Uh, I do have a chain hoist. It's very slow. Um, I I don't I don't think a chain around the neck would be very effective because there's a lot of gaps between the chain, and that would allow your you know your arteries to still pass blood. I don't think it's very effective. A rope would be more effective mm-hmm. at, at choking someone out. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, maybe that's why I, he that lives. actually probably plays in, right? Is that why he lives? Also, the chain could get linked in a way that it's not yeah. putting pressure on, right? They could not be. Connected. That means he's a he's a fucking he's a baller actor, not not like as an actor in the movie, but actor in the, in the, in you know the fight life to pretend where to he's be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, be, I'm being whole... I'm being choked. I'm I'm slammed against the wall. I'm dead, dude. I'm... <laughs> yeah, but even after that, the entire crowd of people off the roof like get down from the roof and walk past him. So he's like, he, he's prairie dogging it for the entire time or pos, playing possum for the entire time. So now also I got to say that really on the roof, John shooting this submachine gun is a big mistake. I mean, the helicopter's coming in and John's firing a submachine gun. What do you think's going to happen? Is this the best way to talk to these people? <laughs> oh my God. When he's trying to like herd the cats off of the roof. Yeah, yeah, not- and he just starts shooting, and then he's like mad at the at the police for shooting back. Oh my god! And it's like, hey, it's like I'm on your side. It's like, well, why were you shooting at them? Yeah, why were you just blasting wildly with the MP5 on the roof? Yes. All right, we're getting the fire hose. Sorry, Dop, your little lag there, but you can talk when you more little trees. We're no, I think, I think uh, yeah, yeah, I think this. I mean, I don't know. It, it, sh- yeah, shooting up in the air when the helicopter's there. <laughs> bad idea but how, I mean, how else is he going to get that entire crowd of people down the stairs as fast as possible well maybe instead of asking for his wife he could have also like tried to explain something to them like he's like where's holly where's holly that was what he spent most of his time doing all right roof just blew and he's flying over the side all right now i i have notes on this <laughs> yeah what are your notes on this fire hose <laughs> okay so fire hose Firehose, I mean, he shoots the glass, gets in the building, whatever. Firehose falls down. 
and it's like why it's does pulling it drag him down so slowly like, at the end like, yeah <laughs> yeah like like well number one it's like the weight of a car for some reason it's a fucking fire hose and a reel <laughs> he weighs more than that he can he can totally hold that up he can pull it up it's not a big deal how long is the fire hose you don't know how long that thing is <laughs> i don't know well if it was long enough to like he would probably be touching the ground or one of these many angles of this building <laughs> I, I feel like he could totally have just pulled that up no problem Okay, there was. I've never watched this with the subtitles on. There was just a subtitle that says "shouting in French" with a picture of like Hans. Oh, like, that's Hans when he's saying shouting. Yes, because he's saying. I also noticed that, and he's saying "allez, allez." So, oh. <laughs> so that's just like, which I don't know what that means in French, but uh... it means the bull just ran past me. <laughs> it means go. That's what it means go. in English. Okay, so now it's a full-fledged fire, but this, like, water feature, I mean, it's basically John McClane's, like, wading through this, like, grotto water feature like it's Predator. Oh, my God, (laughs) yes. What is this weird scene? Yeah. Yeah. Christmas tree falls down. What are we supposed to make of that symbolism? And finally, Argyle wakes up and sees Theo unloading this mystery van, which I'll actually, I would love to buy a van. like Which was not in the truck yeah definitely not if that van was in that truck earlier all of those terrorists would have had to get out of that van first because there would not be enough room for 10 people and that van in that last truck all right so now he's got hollow now there it's more french maybe the the uh maybe we just figured something out maybe the Mm. huey lewis is a french terrorist so he talks to him in french instead of english this, I'm just telling you, going back to like the thing that I don't think they, they were just speaking like gibberish to one another. And uh, Alan Rickman actually knows other languages and was just peppering in. Peppering it's it supposed in. to be German, ostensibly. Ostensibly, yes. Uh, now, he crashed this limo into this nice van. Mm-hmm. And then also this punch, like, definitely. Oh, my God. Connect. It's, it's, that's the, the worst. back. The, I, I, that, that's how I totally had a note right, on too. It's right. like his so, back so it, foot punch yeah, knocks yeah, out yeah. the. So you punch the guy. Even if you knock him out, that's not forever. It's not like it's not like it's <laughs> over. He's gonna wake up. He's gonna burn in the fire eventually. So so Theo is the guy who probably could come back. In a in a pre in a Theo should come back in like Die Hard Six. That he's the new mastermind. Because I honestly like, I think that would be good. You know, in Die Hard One, I would say it's kind of equal parts Hans and equal parts Theo. These guys complemented each other very well. You know, those are the two linchpins for this plan. You're right. Like, uh, is Theo? I think Carl is probably technically number two in charge. Maybe just because for sure he's, but as the muscle, though. Yeah, but I can see like Theo coming back. You're right. Yeah. Hey, Theo survives. You know this this thing. The problem is that guy has all that Walker Texas Ranger money. Like, how many? episodes of that did they make and how long did it run in syndication oh my god are you kidding me if that guy would absolutely star in a diehard movie if he was gonna be cast as the villain 
No, he's all set for residuals. You are crazy. There's no way yeah, that that guy for the fucking yeah, from the Walker Texas Ranger bullshit. No way. Uh, that guy has got. I'm not saying so that he doesn't money. have money. I'm saying that there's no way that he's like I have so much money that my ego would not want to be put as the mm. main villain in a diehard film. What if it was like not even he was a villain? What if he like came back as like a reformed good guy? No, that wouldn't work. He's got to come <laughs> back as the he has to come back as the villain I mean, because all right, he's punched out that, in an ambulance. Regardless McLean, of the money, regardless of the money, he would come back for fun. All right, yeah. McLean now has Christmas taped this pistol, which, by the way. Doesn't look like it would stick very well. No, it does not. <laughs> like his, his body sweaty, is all covered uh, in his sweaty, sooty body. He's yeah, sweaty, sweaty body with this like not even real tape. <laughs> you know, it's like holiday paper tape. Oh my god! It says "Happy Christmas" on it, and that's not a light pistol. Yeah, this whole yeah the Roy Rogers part here at the end. I don't know. Yeah. All right, so now he's hanging out of the window. And looking up and holding on to Holly's Rolex, raising his little HK pistol, HKP7, and falling. And it does look like he knew that the fall was coming, so I think all those IMDb things are wrong. Barabons just flying out the window, people scooping <laughs> them up, asking what these are. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, well, later in their recovery scene, like all these papers are falling down, and they're all just like, Blank sheets of paper. They're not. Yes, the papers. Exactly. At the end, that was driving me nuts. The relief kiss, though, where between McLean and Holly is so gross. (laughs) They're just like smashing (laughs) salty, sweaty McLean into him. Also, I I, I think I missed the part here, but uh, I, I, I know that I definitely missed the part here to comment on this earlier but when um al's boss what what is the name of like the, the guys Dwayne. Dwayne. when Dwayne when Dwayne sees a helicopter like explode or whatever and he's like oh we're gonna need some more FBI. i guess we're gonna yeah, need some more fbi guys oh <laughs> my god good. oh my god that killed me during there like oh my god just zero empathy okay now why does this and lethal weapon have such similar i mean they came out, or which one came out first? That the endings are exactly the same. At least this one has the added bonus of Al overcoming his fear of shooting thirteen-year-olds. Well, <laughs> is that what we're supposed to be taking away from this movie? Lethal Weapon is in nineteen eighty-seven. Let's see, Die Hard is in nineteen eighty-eight. I think. So who knows yep. what on terms of production? But that doesn't put this into a good light of. The blonde bad guy who you think is dead coming back for a last... Well, I guess in Lethal Weapon, you know he's not dead. But this is also, like, one of the things in Last Action Hero that they make fun of. You guys remember Last Action Hero? Yes. But this, uh, like, I had not seen this movie in so long that I was like, oh, I totally forgot that Carl's not dead. <laughs> how how many times did you get... I mean, I I watched this so much because I ended up accidentally watching part of it with Sarah yesterday. <laughs> and then I was like, had to watch it for notes. And then I'm watching it again now. <laughs> I spent probably 34 hours this week on Die Hard. <laughs> no, I. Not including the editing. I mean, I, I, I can't I, say. 
I can't say how many times I've seen this, but I, my dad took it to me. Like, my dad took me to the theater when it first came out and it was rated R. And he had to like, he had to like, like justify that he was agreeing to let me see it when we went to the theater. It was in '88 when I was, I was 10. And I, I swear I've seen this at least once a year. <laughs> Amazing. I do watch it at Christmas time. I like it. Yeah, that, that. I mean, that was the Quin- the Quincy Mall Theater. I mean, you know it. Like, yeah, that, yeah. All right. Al, and then we have Argyle bust out. So, whoa, whoa, whoa! This one's with me. So he, here, it. here's another problem I have with this movie. Is hmm. there's no fucking way. Law enforcement is going to let you and your friends leave the scene in a limo <laughs> after a bunch of fucking people died that you're responsible for. <laughs> also, yeah, like he's legit killed uh, 14 God. people. Yes. He was like a, he's been like one of the most successful serial killers in one <laughs> night. And they just let him go. Also, Argyle's like, hey, there's probably there's a guy knocked out down there. Maybe somebody should arrest that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Christmas music. All right. Who I knocked it. out 15 minutes ago. He's probably <laughs> gone now. <laughs> Show up. He's going to go oh, to God. criminology school under a false identity and become a Texas Ranger. He's also under that guy is actually very underserved in Top Gun as well. Like they hardly tell you his name, and then after Goose dies, uh, he is Mavs Rio for the training thing for like two episodes. It's just like, come on, let's give Sundowner some bigger parts. Yeah. All right, go team. We did it. So next week we're going to do Die Hard Two. There's a lot of radio <laughs> stuff in Die Hard Two that I have more commentary. <laughs> And yes, we know that there's a diehard hacking movie, <laughs> but it's awful. But that won't stop us from doing a podcast on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and one last time here for Dop to get disconnected and come. Yeah, oh I, no, I, Dop got disconnected again. Oh no, I, he's I, back. I can he's two back. and Dari three. Well, uh, I can't hear him, but maybe you can. Hopefully it shows up on. I'm in for two and three, no problem. Some of the audio. Your idea of Christmas. I gotta be here for New Year's. (laughs) All right, thanks. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs.